One, two, is this on? <laughs> Yo, Jimmy, hit me with that triple H. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the two-time wrestling radio show of the year, Wrestling News Live. Boys of Wrestling Radio, the Trey Dog. We will never use the words shit, God, Jesus, or any other racial or sexual slurs. And JJ Sexay. I did not. I repeat, I did not sleep with that young intern. As a matter of fact, I was up all night. Wrestling News Live. For the fans, by the fans. That's right, the franchise is back. Wrestling News Live. Your hosts, the Trey Dog and JJ Sexay. All right, guys, good evening. Welcome to another edition of Wrestling News Live right here on the the uh, <laughs> the SNS Radio Network, of course, it is I, JJ Sexay, and uh, unfortunately, right now I'm kind of flying solo, waiting on the Trey Dog to uh, give me a call in. He's obviously had a lot of stuff going on the last couple of days, but you know what? I want to kind of just go right in to everything that's gone on in the last little while, especially tonight. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, marked the end of the. Most people call it the Monday Night Wars. I don't really know if you could call it that, because it didn't last long enough to be considered a, a Monday Night War. 
It was more like a Monday night skirmish, uh, a Monday night coffee break, uh, you know, all kinds of things that you could really say in regards to that. Um, you know, I, I made mention in the chat room earlier, it was kind of like the uh, the Korean War. It was more of a conflict than anything else. And it didn't last very long. Obviously, tonight, TNA made the decision that they have decided to go back to broadcasting Impact on Thursday nights where they're unopposed and can get a better rating. I mean, it's kind of sad when your Impact replays are getting better than the uh, the first-run shows on Monday night. And I know that when this first went down, Trey and I were both thinking, well, this is great. We've got the Monday Night Wars starting up again. Who knows exactly what's going to happen uh you know, with that, and it's kind of sad to see that, you know, it's just gone. After tonight, the Monday Night Wars are no more. I mean, TNA saying, we've decided it's time to go back to Thursday nights. We're we're better there. We're going to do much better on Thursday nights. And the way that they phrased it, ladies and gentlemen, I I love, but actually joining me on the line right now is uh, the second co-host for Wrestling News Live. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the program the Trey Dog. Trey, what's going on? I'm just blown away that they're doing this this early and waving the flag, but who didn't see this coming? Well, I think we all did, especially after that .5 rating. You know, I mean, on the night where TNA came out and had probably the best they've ever had, and all WWE did was a house show on, on TV with the SmackDown crew, and they still dominated DNA. That was when Spike TV had to go, okay, look. You know, we're asking way too much of these people at TNA trying to compete with WWE. You know, they had one good Monday night, and the Spike executives... It, what's, what's really sad, dude, is that everybody's going to blame TNA, and they're going to say, oh, TNA's the one that wanted to jump to Monday night. TNA's the one that wanted to compete with WWE. Maybe a few of them did, but for the most part, this decision was made solely by Spike TV's board of executives. Now, now Trey, I actually want to play this bit of audio. This is the official announcement from TNA. So uh, just listen up. I know you didn't see this tonight, but here's the audio announcement from tonight. So, yeah, 
they have made the decision based on fan feedback. I love the way they're kind of skirting this around. It wasn't a decision made by Spike TV. It wasn't a decision that they wanted to make. It's because the fans wanted them to go right. back to Thursday nights. you got to love that. Well, and the realistic part of it is they can't come out and say, hey, we sucked on Monday, so the people that make the checks at Spike TV are moving us back to Thursdays where we should have never left to begin with. They can't come out and say that. No. You know, so they've got to make it something to where there's a reason why, and a positive. Make a positive out of the negative, and the positive would be that, hey, we listen to our fans, and our fans want us back on Thursdays, so by God, that's where we're going to be. Like I said, I think so, in the long run, it's a good idea for them, obviously. Oh, it is. It is. I mean, the quicker we can sweep this Monday fiasco under the bed and forget about it, the better. I agree. You know, you, you have to give them credit for trying, but I think we all kind of figured this wasn't going to go as well as they thought it was going to go. It sucked for us. It sucked for us bad. Because... We couldn't watch both at the same time, and we had to in order to do this show. You know, I mean, just just as as, as an example, you and I were off the air last night talking about a, a, way, a different way of going about this. Yep. You know, now we don't have to worry about it. This is true. It's going to make our job on Monday nights a hell of a lot easier. We don't have two shows to recap. I mean, like like I was saying before you came on the show, uh, you really can't even call this a Monday Night War. It's more like a Monday Night Coffee break. It's like the Korean War. Yeah. It was a conflict. It was a Monday Night conflict for about a month, month and a yeah. half, and it's done. Well, if you're on the WWE side of things, it was a war, and you stomped their ass and sent them packing. Well, yeah, they they can look at this with a yeah, with you know they completely stomped the competition. Not that there was really much competition to begin with. Considering that this show has been on Thursday nights for a long time, just because Hogan and Bischoff came in, and it's got to be disappointing to both Hogan and Bischoff. You know that their egos are hurt. They're definitely thinking, you know what, we thought we were going to come in and do something great. And, and I still think that Hogan is going to, uh, some way in the next six months, is going to find a way out of TNA wrestling. I think that he's trying to do this radio gig because this failed for him. This is what he wanted to do. And it failed, and I think that he's going to find some way to bail out. Well, it's sad, you know. And, and if he does, if he does, so be it. I, I I would like to see them bring Paul Heyman in as the main booker or the main guy. Um, it's sad because Hogan put so many eggs into this basket, thinking that he was still relevant enough to spike a rating that would beat the WWE, and it's sad, but did anybody think that was going to happen? No. You know, I did say on the initial January 4th broadcast that they would do a lot better than people thought they would, and they did. Everybody was so, you know, excited about Bret Hart's return. Like I said then, once you get past uh, him and Sean and him and Vince, the Bret Hart thing becomes irrelevant, and it becomes just a normal Monday Night Raw. But the Hogan Bischoff, you know, deal on TNA that 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 goes on throughout the entire episode, and it did, and they pulled out all the stops with all the surprises, and look where it got them. You know, now it's back to point this and point that, and TNA is not 
solely responsible. Spike TV has written a lot of checks to make this happen and put a lot of money into this to make this happen. And now they're sitting back going, whoa, wait a minute. You guys were doing better before we brought these guys in back on your own Thursday night time slot. Not a whole lot better, but better. You know? Now the only problem is when TNA, and I'm sure the chat room has already started saying this, now what happens when TNA goes back to Thursday nights and they still suck ratings-wise because they don't know how to promote outside of Spike TV? I agree. You know, somebody in the chat room last week said, Hey, Trey, guess what? I saw uh, Rob Van Dam as the new TNA champion ad on television. I said, Yep, what channel was it on? Spike, well, there you go. That's that's what's sad, is, you know, TNA is the only thing I watch on Spike. I occasionally will watch something if it airs after TNA and I'm still sitting there while I'm doing a show or something. But when I have the remote in my hand and I have free reign to go anywhere I want, Spike TV isn't usually my demographic. It isn't usually where I'm at. So they gotta they gotta if they were smart they'd take some of this money they put in the Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff and you know, the nasty boys and some of these people they brought in, they'd take some of that money and say, Hey look, you're great, but you're not doing this any good if we don't let people know you're here and start promoting another television station. That that is absolutely true. They do need to kind of branch out and do something, but I don't really think Spike TV is going to help them to branch out, and I don't know that they're going to have the revenue to go ahead and branch out. I mean, this company has lost so much money in the last eight years; it's it's not even funny. Well, other than TNA and UFC, what does Spike really bring to the table that is can't miss? Got to watch television. Well, they're marketing to guys. I mean, they have obviously. Other than UFC and wrestling, I mean, they've got just the the typical guy shows like Mansers and Thousand Ways to Die, and you know, just reruns of this and that. So, I mean, it's yeah, not but how like, many of those how many of those are in a rerun state that you've seen a million times? Oh, quite a few of them. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I'm saying. They're they're almost as bad a network for wrestling as as you know my network TV. I mean they they even have Unsolved Mysteries, but it's not the Robert Stack version; it's the Dennis. Yeah. The pros I would just like to see. I would like to see TNA just bite the bullet and, and advertise outside of Spike TV just for one month and see what it does for them. What's it going to hurt? Not really sure. You know, it's worth a shot. Now, I, I kind of want to branch into some other stuff as far as TNA is concerned. Uh, I don't know if you heard this or not. We may have discussed this uh, over the last couple of days, but there was an incident that happened last week, and uh, one of the most controversial figures in TNA wrestling is officially gone from the company. And uh, I actually have the audio that I want to play for you, exactly what went down on the uh, the Cowhead radio show between Bubba the Love Sponge and uh, Awesome Kong. And uh, here is that audio in its entirety. Are you going to be truthful and talk about how you fell down on the ground and started having a, a fake hysterical uh, uh, meltdown? A fake hysterical meltdown? Yeah, and then everybody had to come rushing to you, and you uh, then tried to uh, cover your ass by accosting somebody by acting like you were having a breakdown? Uh, acting like I was having a breakdown? I don't know about that. I was very upset. 
I, uh, I, so, so, I was very upset. So, indeed, did you, uh, did you indeed hit the ground immediately, and uh, and then Vince Russo and everybody had to come to asking what was going on, and then you just started crying and crying and crying hysterically? Uh, crying and crying hysterically. I don't know. I was very very upset, and I wanted to be left alone. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know. And I it, it, it was. Well, what now? What now? Where what? I knew that I I didn't want to be. There was a lot of emotion going on when you know that this isn't the workplace that you knew. Uh, TNA, when I got to TNA, everyone was a family, and TNA had a beating heart. Uh, that day that I got on the set, everything had changed around, including including the set. And things were just different and much more abrasive, and people were a lot more paranoid. The air in the air was just that of now, nervousness. How about, how about the lawsuit that you filed? By the way, this is Bubba. How you doing, Kia? And uh, how about the lawsuit that you supposedly filed? Where's that at right now? Where do we stand with that? Well, uh, hello, Mr. Uh I never filed a lawsuit on you, as you well know. Uh, no, I know. You know that, I did. I, I, no, I, I know that your lawyer said a lot of disparaging things about me, saying that I, uh, you know, would, would have called you. I don't, I, you know, I don't even know you. Uh, I didn't know who you were until you made an ass out of yourself. I know that you're a fake bitch, though, and that you didn't have a problem with meeting me that time or that minute. I should okay, say with with Hogan. If, if, if this is what you want to do, you can come and meet me at four zero one Hard Place Drive. We're moving right now. We can sell this at face to face. Oh, I, you know that's what we—that's what we try—that's what we tried to do. But you're—we tried to settle it face to face. But you wouldn't get your—but you wouldn't get your ass to the radio station like a little like a little pussy bitch that you are. No, you come to me. We had you set all up to come here today, and you pussed out like the big fake black bitch that you are. Oh, oh, come see me. And that you're colorblind. How colorblind are you, bitch? I'll tell you you're not very colorblind because you know what? All you do is feel sorry for yourself. How about the time at O'Hare Airport when you not, sit, I'm, when I'm you sit in front of Abraham Lincoln and say, oh, Abraham Lincoln, I thought that you cured slavery. Oh, slavery's still alive and kicking. Woe's me. Feel sorry for me. I'm doing independence now for 50 bucks a night selling Polaroids for $5, you dumb bitch. This is not what I signed up for. Hold on. Hold on. I'm, try, I'm trying to get to the... I want the truth. Up for because you're a coward. You're a oh, coward. Oh, sweetheart, sweetheart, you don't know me. Then come see me, won't you? Uh, you know what? No, come, come to my. Come see me. I gave you the ad. Come, come to my studio tomorrow. Radio show Why don't you come to my studio tomorrow? Come see me. Why don't we sanction something then, and then we can give the proceeds to Haiti? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. To Haiti. Oh, yeah. You're not gonna make money. And, and, and we'll make it a shoot. And you know what? What? Money and I'll tell you. No, you know what? I'll tell you what. You, you be the one to collect you, the money. You know what you can do. You know what you can do. Oh, you kid, my black ass. Now you're turning Nell Carter on me, bitch? You stupid bitch. I'll kick your oh, ass. I'll tell you that right now. You know what? You're so stupid. You know what? Let me tell you something. Oh. Black ass? I thought she was colorblind. And, uh, and, and, for, and for all you fans out there, me and Cal have, have been dancing for two days. Yeah. We love each other. Uh, I'd, I'd mouth kiss him right now if I had to. Oh, hey, D, no way. man. Our plan almost came through. It's because oh. I've been waiting in the in the back room here. Ready, so frustrated. Ready to come in and have that very same conversation with her in person. Uh, and you can see what I'm dealing with here. I mean, she's a complete compulsive liar, first uh, of all. Yeah, I mean, I, the, I'm asking her these questions, and uh, Bubba's giving me, like on the side, telling me whether or not these things are true or not true, 
And uh, but you should. We should just take a whole camera crew and go right down to her apartment and beat her up right well, there. I don't want to. I don't want to go on her. I don't want to go down to the hood with with all her with all you know because then now I'm now coming to a fight. Right. I want to sanction something. I want to say you know what. We'll have Rob Khan or an MMA or boxing or wrestling in a sanctioned licensed event. Uh, and you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to control any dollars. Every. You know what? Anybody. Right. Anybody can. You know, will charge admission, and I'll send every effing dollar to Haiti. And that was the phone call in its entirety, where they basically ambushed Awesome Kong on the Cowhead Morning Show. Apparently, Bubba was saying they had this set up where it was supposed to happen in the studio. And I, I got to say this on on his behalf: he's lucky that she didn't come down to the studio, or else she'd be in jail right now for probably manslaughter because she'd have killed that fat fuck. And he knows that. That's the thing is he knows that. And that's the thing is that she knows that. So he can sit there and call her a stupid bitch all he wants, but she's actually a very smart bitch because if she was a stupid bitch, she'd go down there and she'd stomp his ass and she'd be in jail. But she's smarter than that, so hats off to you, Awesome Kong. That rocks. Now, whether who's right or who's wrong, I wasn't there, so I don't know. You know, and I'm not going to take anybody's side just listening up the bottom of the Lust Buds audio. No, the, the only problem I had with that was she didn't really get a chance to explain anything because every time they would say something to her, they just kept interrupting. You know, she would try right. to speak, and they, they kept ambushing her and interrupting her. She did, And that's you know, what they do. I mean, that's why, that's, that's why I hate that kind of radio is it's, 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 you know, ambush. You know, she wasn't expecting it. She thought she was doing something else. And then he comes on the line, oh, hey, you, you stupid bitch, it's me, blah, blah, blah. You know, it would have been much better to have gotten all of her answers and then called her out on her answers. But don't ambush her in mid-phone call. I mean, that's retarded. Well, and here's the thing that kills me, too. Like, you know, Bubba's sitting there, oh, yeah, she's a compulsive liar and stuff. Well, how do we know that? Because she couldn't even get a fucking answer in edgewise. You know, how is right. Cowhead's sitting there talking about how, you know, the whole time he's asking her questions, Bubba's sitting there shaking his head yes or no to everything he's saying. Like, what makes Bubba the love sponge the fountain of fucking truth? Explain this to me. Just because him and Cowhead have a fucking little gay-ass lesbian, uh, you know, tryst, in the fucking studio. He said he'd open mouth kiss him if, if he had the opportunity. I mean, I, I just, I, I'm so sick to death of shows like, uh, you know, Cowhead, Bubba the Love Sponge, Colin Cowherd, always, you know, fucking up the product of professional wrestling. If you don't like it, don't ask people to come on and certainly don't ambush people because they were in the right for fucking somebody up, for talking shit about a country that, that went through a national disaster I, I, fuck him. I, I can't stand that piece of shit. I would like ten minutes alone with that motherfucker <laughs> on the air. I wouldn't need ten. I would need two. Well, you know he's not going to shut up, so you're going to have to over-talk him, but I'm pretty good at that when I want to. But, I mean, come on, you big, tough guy. You just made a, a fucking woman look like shit. Big deal. You know, <laughs> I I didn't see you ambushing Mick Foley with a phone call after he broke your fucking nose. Well, no, he broke his fucking nose. You think he's going to get out there to Mick Foley? Because Mick Foley will do it again. Well, hell, apparently Awesome Kong jacked his jaw. 
you know, knocked him out, knocked him down. If that's the case, if, why did you learn the first time, motherfucker? Oh, but she's a woman. Let's ambush her on the phone. You know, it was just like that scene in Days and Confused where the guy goes, you know what, I'm going to rub and punch Clint right in the mouth, that fucking hippie pot smoking motherfucker. And they're like, what? They're like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's just the way the crowd works. You get a few good shots in, and they separate you, and it's over with. You know? So he knows, Bubba knows, if he gets in there and starts talking shit and riles her up to where she's all pissed off and ready to fight over the phone, that she's going to keep talking. But he's in the studio. He turns her down and overpowers her and never lets her say a word, which makes her come out looking like the idiot. Yep. To the ignorant fan, to me, that just shows Bubba's too scared to let the bitch talk. If I'm right... If I'm, if, I, if I'm right, and I believe I'm 100% right, and I ambush you on the phone in an interview, and I know that I'm right, why wouldn't I let you talk? Let you get your two cents and let you hang yourself with your own rope if I know that I'm right. Me talking over you doesn't prove anything. So evidently, Bubba's not 100% convinced that he's in the right. If he doesn't give the bitch the place and time to talk. No, I would agree with that. I mean, uh, you know, one of the stories that came out also this week after this, uh, I guess on his show this morning, he was talking a lot of shit about Dixie Carter. Unfortunately, I don't have the audio for that. But, I mean, he's had some really nasty things to say about her and that he's considering filing a lawsuit based on the first attack that he got from uh, from Kong. He was asked not to by Hogan, who was his friend at the time, but apparently now that that relationship is in the shitter. You know, Hogan asked him to take the high road, and apparently he decided not to because it's just not in his nature. And so it looks like the friendship there is done, which, you know, who gives a shit? I, I could care. Did they, did, they, did they explain anything as to why he was let go? Have they done anything on TV about it? Have they done anything off the air? Uh, I don't think they have. They just said that they had parted ways with him. And I think it, it was over the phone call because, you know, uh, they feel like he's very racist. And he was very racist in that clip. So... You know, but at the same time, he did bring up some points, I do believe, when you've got a guy like, uh, you know, Orlando Jordan kind of walking around doing this bisexual gimmick and, uh, you know, some of the other stuff that they had going on, which I don't have, you know, in front of me at, at the top of my head here. But, you know, for him to even think that he can file a lawsuit now is is beyond, I don't know, it's beyond reproach. They'll go to court. What did he expect? I, I, I mean, seriously, what did he expect was going to happen when you are on the outside looking in of a wrestling promotion? You have zero wrestling background. The only thing you bring to the table is free advertising on your nationally syndicated radio show, which is in the toilet, ratings-wise. You know, what did he expect... It's going to happen when he holds this kind of interview with Awesome Kong on his radio show and then goes and reports back to TNA. What did he expect was going to happen? I mean, come on, man. Don't be that goddamn dumb. <laughs> well, you know what? Apparently he thinks he's somebody. And, uh, you know, he made the comment that before they fired him, he was going to quit anyway because their product sucks and... He didn't want to be a part of that garbage. Oh, of course. Yeah, exactly. You know, typical, yeah, yeah, I'm going to, you know, 
I'm going to take the high road here, blah, 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 bullshit, that, oh, yeah, I was going to quit anyway because, yeah, I wasn't happy, blah, 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 yeah, whatever. Well, that just goes to show how big of a dumbass he is. He's going to quit the only wrestling promotion that's ever given him a chance, and that's just based on his friendship and allegiance to, to one Terry Malaya. Well, and, and according you know? to him, according to him, he's good friends with the WWE, uh, with... Um, with Johnny Ace, and, and they'll never hire Austin Oh, really? Collins. Yeah, they'll never hire her because of what he's done to uh, to Bubba the Love Sponge. Oh, is that right? Is that why there's so many WWE stars on his programming? He doesn't have anybody. He's only had TNA stars. Uh, I think he's had one or two WWE guys, not very many. You know. Yeah, I want to hear him talk to a fucking WWE superstar like that. That, that phone call would have lasted two seconds. Click. Apparently, I'm getting in the chat yeah. room. Uh, C.J. Bowman says that Santino was on Bubba the Love Sponge, and so was Goldust, I believe. Wow! Yay! <laughs> Bill Bubba. Now, I, I don't know if you if you heard this, but when uh, he said it was Bubba, she actually acknowledged him as Mister Cum Sponge. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. And she's got a point. She makes a, a very, very, very valid point in all of that that goes that, that, that gets looked over. She's a hundred percent right when she says, you know, a month before you motherfuckers got here, this was a place that had a heartbeat, and it did. TNA's always been that kind of place, but then you bring in Hogan, Bischoff, you know, Bubba the Love Sponge. They change the arena, they change the ring, they change everything around from what these people are used to, and suddenly your home sweet home doesn't feel so sweet anymore. And she's got a good point. She said it right there in that interview before she got pissed off. No, I, I agree. I mean, everything did change with Hogan and Bischoff's arrival. Everything. I, you so, know what? I mean... Go ahead, Trey. Sorry. I don't know. I mean, I, I just... I. I want. To, I don't want to see Charles Hogan leave yet because I don't think they're done. I think they're just getting started. But you know, somewhere, somehow, some way, somebody has to step up and go. Okay, this idea didn't work, or has yet to work. Do we continue on, or do we part ways? You know. No, nope, I would agree. I, I, I don't know. I don't know who to blame. I don't know who to point the blame stick at, but. You know, I don't blame Dixie for trying. Shit, after eight years of trying to get some pussy, wouldn't you give up and pull out all the stops if you had to? Well, yeah. You know, same thing with Dixie and TNA. After eight years of just kind of being a 1.0 and a 1.2 and a 1.3, and finally you're like, fuck it, let's try to swing for the fence. Let's try to be like the Yankees and buy everybody we can to come in here and fucking make us a champ. Rome wasn't built today, and wrestling fans want everything yesterday. That's what's sad. And guys like Bubba the Love Sponge don't give wrestling fans one ounce of credit. I mean, he makes us look like idiots every time he opens his mouth. Tell you what, man, the interview I want to see on Bubba the Love Sponge, I want to see the Iron Sheik on that motherfucker. I would love for him to say some shit to the Iron Sheik. 
Bubble love sponge, I take you, I put you in camel clutch, I break your back, I fuck you in the ass, I humble you. You talk to Kong, I humble you, I fuck you in the ass. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the sheep make an appearance on Wrestling News Live. Oh. Uh, uh, well, uh, what do you think about this, buddy? Uh, I'm a little sponge, and I'm uh, best friends with one Hulk Hogan. I tell you something, brother. I tell you something. It happened in 1986. It was a Brian Blair. I had to jump to him in Madison Square Garden. I say, fuck you. I fuck you in the ass, Bubba. I fuck you. Fuck a Hogan. Fuck everybody. Fuck you all. Breaking your back. So you're saying that uh, you want to fuck Hulk Hogan in the ass, Sheik? Um, is that what you're saying on Bubba Love Sponge? No, I take him, I break his back, and stick him up your ass. Oh, I think you're drunk. you got to be drunk. Now, see, that would be entertaining radio right there. Yeah. I apologize for my horrible Buffalo Sponge impersonation. I apologize for my horrible Iron Sheik impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're apologizing. Well, I mean, what do you have on tap here? For Do we want to take phone calls on this TNA thing? we want to take phone calls on the Buffalo Sponge thing? What do you want to do? Well, I have one more promo that I want to play for you from uh, from tonight on Impact, just to get your reaction okay. to to what I didn't get a lot of sound clips tonight, but I was kind of busy doing some production work. But I did get one more uh, right at the start of the show. They started things off, and you thought it was Ric Flair coming out, and with that said, here is exactly what I have in store for you.
Yeah, he's the man. Yeah. Enric, as sure we're standing here today, I'm going to get this footage and I'm going to frame it and I'm going to hang this on my wall because right now, this is the greatest moment of my life. It doesn't get any better than this. Not for me. And in Elizabeth, New Jersey, there is a beautiful woman watching the television screen to coin a phrase with a tear in her eye because she knows that her little boy has made it because he's standing in the ring with the man. He's standing in the ring with the legend. He's standing in the ring with the Rick Flock. Thank you for giving me back my most prized possession. But that does not dig you on the holy... You're in. And of course, he gets beat down by uh, by Ric Flair in the middle of the ring. And uh, right, so you're gonna have to explain to me who that was impersonating Ric Flair. Uh, well, I thought you heard the, them say it was Black Machismo. No, I couldn't really make it out on the phone. It was it was a little loud, but I, I kind of caught the gist of what was going on. But so Black Machismo comes out as Ric Flair tonight. Comes out wearing a suit, kind of ditched the whole Macho Man gimmick. Comes out with the ring on his hand, cuts a Flair promo. Did a pretty good Flair impersonation, quite frankly. And, of course, uh, you know, Ric Flair comes in, and they completely trash the whole, you know, they were going to give the ring to somebody tonight, Hogan was, and uh, Jay Lethal walks out and is, is Ric Flair. And Rick comes out and beats the crap out of him, takes the ring. We also get beer money coming out to help uh, beat him down. So it all kind of ended in a nice little squash. They beat the shit out of Jay Lethal. Hogan and Bischoff are in a limo. They turn around, go back to the impact zone, and, uh, you know, send RVD and, and uh, the rest of the troops out to help out. So they basically set up a couple matches tonight based off this. They put AJ Styles in a Monsters Ball match, as Hogan called it. He completely fucked his promo up. Um, put him in a Monsters Ball match against Abyss. They were supposed to have a uh, tag match between... Beer Money and uh, the Motor City Machine Guns. And they inserted Team 3D into the mix, made it a triple threat. And let's see, what else did they do? Oh, RVD had to take on um, Desmond Wolf, and the, the title was on the line tonight, and that was a very quick squash match. RVD obviously got the win there. There was a yeah. new member. That, there was a new member that joined tonight, uh, the band. In the uh, triple threat match, they had a lot of uh, confusion come down as the band comes down, Hall and Nash, 
and starts beating everybody up. And then Eric Young comes down with a kendo stick to make the save and help everybody out. And, of course, lo and behold, Eric Young joins the band and replaces, I guess, six until he comes back. Isn't that interesting? Okay. Well, no, not only because they just beat the hell out of Eric Young at the pay-per-view in a squash match with him and Nash. I guess they can't beat him and join him. Pretty much, and there was there was a rumored uh, there was somebody supposed to be making their appearance tonight in the Impact Zone uh, as Hogan and Bischoff were supposedly going to the airport to pick him up. Now, the I know WrestleZone had reported this earlier on the night that Lex Luger would be at Impact tonight. However, there was no one that made a debut, so he did not show up tonight. So if that was in the plans, they scrapped it at the last. Uh, at the last second. So Lex Luger did not make an appearance. And I don't know what Lex Luger could do anyway. Wrestling-wise, I can't see him doing anything. The last time I saw Luger, he had shrunk down. Looks as skinny as a toothpick. And I think he's got a messed up leg. So I don't know what he would do other than be a mouthpiece. And Lex Luger as your mouthpiece is not a really good idea. Not when there's guys out there like Sid Vicious who can come back and actually wrestle. True that. God just give me the checkbook and the pen for a month. And I'm not saying I'd fix the world, but goddamn, I'd make things make a whole lot more sense. You know? I mean, I, give me the checkbook and the ink pen and the right to hire and fire, and I'd make that place at least make sense. At least I'd give you TV you'd want to tune into next week. That's the thing is, wrestling used to be about as soon as it was over, you couldn't wait for the next episode. Yep. Not, oh, my God, I just sat through three hours of that or two hours of that. It used to be, oh, my God, is that it? Holy shit, I can't wait to see what happens next. It's not like that anymore on either brand. This is true. You know, and I said it last week, and I'll say it maybe in a reverse way, but, I mean, when people compare WWE to TNA, they need to remember, like I said last week, WWE is on TV every night but Wednesday, you know, and the weekends. But TNA only has one night a week, four weeks a year or four weeks a month, sometimes three weeks a month to make you interested in their pay-per-view, to where WWE programming has Monday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, to promote their upcoming pay-per-view. That's four episodes a week. That's, you know, do the math. How many episodes a month compared to the four that TNA gets? I'm not making excuses. I'm not saying, oh, that's why they're better. No, I'm just saying, make sure you think about that before you start comparing and bitching about shit. But by the same token, it's those, you know, let's just do the math here real quick. One, two, three, four episodes, four times four, you know, was that 16? Yep. All right. Maybe it's those 16 episodes a month that keep you from being on the edge because there really is no edge. Just wait till tomorrow night. Or wait till, you know, two nights. 
something will be said or something will be done about it. You'll see another promo or something. You know, where it used to be, oh, when Monday night was over, you had to wait until next Monday night to get your answers and your results. You know, or at least wait till Thursday or Friday until the brand split and Thunder died. You know, I'm sick of all this impersonation bullshit. Why not bring back fucking Rick Titan and fucking the fake Sting and, you know, why not? Shit, everybody else is imitating everybody else. Might as well. <laughs> HBK can come to the TNA and do uh, his Hogan impersonation. You know, come on. Enough already. Now, speaking of Rick Titan, I, I did want to say this, that uh, at some point, at some point in the near future, I mean, he's he's actually written a book. Uh, on his uh, his life in professional wrestling. I mean, he did a lot of stuff over in Japan with FMW, his tag team partners with Mike Awesome. Uh, he's actually a friend of mine, and there's a good chance that we're going to bring him on at some point on one of the shows right here on this network because uh, he's expressed yeah. some interest to uh, kind of promote the book and, and talk a little bit of wrestling. So I, w- I would actually like he's to... A good guy. He is a good guy. I would like to get his... Uh, a lot of his experiences on what really went down with uh, with what happened in '96 when he was a part of the uh, the Jim Ross bringing back you know Diesel and Razor. For those of you well, not in the know, Rick Titan was uh, Razor Ramon too, the the fake Razor Ramon that Jim Ross brought out on Monday Night Raw back in '96. Yep. But no, I'd like I, to hear some of those stories. Yeah, I think they'd be uh, they'd be very interesting to say the least. Maybe we could work on that and see if we can get him to take a few phone calls from our listeners and give a book away or something. Yeah, I'll talk to him. I, like I, I talk to him all the time on Facebook. And uh, like I said, I've done wrestling shows with him here in Calgary, so he's a good guy. But, yeah, I'm just, you know, I want to see TNA succeed. I want I, I want to get away from anything that has to... Any, it, like like Jody used to say, JSK, bless his heart, used to say, it's got the WWE stank on it. I want TNA to get away from anything that has any WWE stank on it. If it's got any WWE stank on it, don't touch it. Do something different. You know what I mean? No, I agree. This, I can... these, these goddamn Hall of Fame rings, they're not even your Hall of Fame. It'd be different if you had your own Hall of Fame, but you don't. Well, you know, it's it's a continuous thing there. They always have to bring up the WWF or something. They always have to bring it up. In fact, it was brought up later in the night after the main event when uh, they Hogan confronted Sting. And, you know, Sting talked about how Hogan was protected in the WWF, and he was protected in WCW, but he's not protected here in TNA. You know, and he's here for the fans. He's here to do what he wants to do. And... Uh, Jeff Jarrett kind of jumped Sting from behind, and that, that's pretty much how they ended the show. But again, they have to bring up the other federation, the the one that kicks their ass on a weekly well, that, basis. That, 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 that so much I don't mind. It's when you involve it in the storyline to a point that it makes no sense. You know what I'm saying? To say something about Hogan will... You know what? You were a, you, you know you were an asshole in WCW. You were even a bigger asshole when you were in the WWF. I don't mind that because we all know that that's true, right? You know, we and whether it's true or not, he may not have been an asshole, but we know he's been there. 
you know. Um, I feel so naked without the chat room in front of me. Yeah, there a lot of people are talking about the Hall of Fame thing, and uh, it, it is kind of stupid. And a lot of I people miss are... you guys. I miss my dogs. Where they at? Where they at? Soon, Trey Dog. We've got to get you back on the uh, the net. Soon. Yeah, I uh, <coughs> ran into, of all people, an ex-girlfriend tonight. And she's like, you know, I know a place in Corinth you might be interested in. I'm like, oh, well, talk to me. It might be a little odd to live there, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, that's my goal right now is right now I'm just uh, telling everybody know what's going on. After the latest debacle that happened in Kansas City, I am back at my dad's place. And uh, I'm umpiring baseball, and I'm making uh, sixty bucks a night, which isn't bad money, you know, for four hours a day. So that's what I'm doing right now, while I for a radio gig or for something else. I'm almost to the point where I may just give up radio. My last two jobs have burnt me so badly that I'm like, you know what? I'm still young. I'm going to go ahead and do something else until radio opens up again for me down the road somewhere. You know. But right now, I'm just looking to stay as close to home as I can because I thoroughly enjoy being around my nephews and my niece. And it was like my brother's wife the other day said something about, oh, my my niece is... uh, going through gymnastics. And she's pretty damn good at it. And she's typical, you know, you can tell she's going to be smoking hot. She's, you know, cute as she can be in gymnastics, in the cheerleading. She doesn't really care much for other sports, but you know she's going to grow up and be a cheerleader and probably be a snobby bitch, but that's all right. She's lying easy, so that's okay. Um, But she was doing cheers while standing on my shoulders at baseball practice the other night and my sister-in-law said Faith, get off of your uncle and she's like, well he doesn't care I said, I don't care and uh, she goes, well that's because your uncle doesn't have any kids of his own so he spoils you kids rotten (laughs) (laughs) I was like Bingo was his name-o that's right right. she's like, where did you kids get those candy bars Uncle Trey Uncle Trey needs to quit buying you guys candy bars unless you're going to tell me about it. I was like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That, that's, yeah. that's the best part of having, uh, you know, nieces and nephews or if you're the grandparents. You know, you could spoil those right. kids rotten and then give them back to mom and dad, and it's all good. See, that's the thing is that I would love to have kids, but, you know, it's for all the reasons that I've enjoyed hanging out with my nephews right now and my niece – because I'm coaching one in baseball. Um, our team's undefeated. And then my little nephew is coming up behind my nephew, Blake. He's going to be in uh, six-year-old coach pitch, assisted coach pitch, where they get five pitches. And then if they haven't struck out by then, or if they strike out or they get to their sixth pitch, they go and they get to hit one ball off the tee. 
So I'm going to end up coaching his team. When my brother moves up next year and coaches Blake in competitive, I'm going to coach my my younger nephew, Kendon. I'm going to coach him, I think, in Little League, which is why I want to stick around. I don't want to be too far away. And, you know, it's just a process. And the thing is, is that, you know, I was telling my dad today, you know, I have unfortunately ended up in a really, really screwed up situation, and it's because I let somebody take advantage of me, and that will never happen. Yeah, no doubt. You know, so now I'm at a point where it's, you know, I'm not starting at ground zero, but I'm starting at ground one and trying to rebuild where I was. And eventually I'll get there. It's just a matter of time. And that's the cool thing about having guys like J.J., for one, who has been nothing but a blessing and a help with Wrestling News Live. And I want you guys to, to listen to all know that I have been, since I've been away, since I left Woodward on the 8th of March, J.J. has been holding down the fort and basically running Wrestling News Live in my absence. And, you know, just we, what, we, what we talk three or four times a week between shows, you think? Yeah, about that, I'd say. Roughly. And so he's been holding down the fort until I can get back and take control of things. And the cool thing is, is that once I finally get back on my feet, I guess we can go ahead and make our own little announcement. Um, thanks to you and... And, and and thanks to the listeners, I've been getting a lot of emails and a lot of messages on Facebook and Twitter and a lot of other places, but a lot of emails. And by the way, feel free. I love it because I'm out of the loop right now. I'm not I'm not in front of the computer every day for large periods of time. So it really helps me out and helps me get through this time reading your emails so please if you got nothing better to do send me an email tell me what you think of the show tell me what you think of the way things are going in wrestling hell i'll respond i reply to everybody but shoot me an email trey on the radio at hotmail.com is t-r-e-y on the radio at hotmail.com uh i love reading your emails i've been getting a ton of them want me to bring back the doghouse and in a sense, unplugged is a lot like the doghouse was. And JJ's doing such a damn good job with unplugged, and I enjoy listening to it, so I don't want to change any of that. But now with TNA moving back to Thursdays, there's a chance that once I get back on my feet and I get my Internet connection back and I've got time to produce a show on my own, I'm going to bring back the doghouse on Thursday nights right after Impact. So hopefully we're getting good feedback in the chat room. <laughs> Insert good feedback here. But uh, bringing back the doghouse soon on Thursday nights to cover Impact and take your phone calls live with myself, the Trey Dog, and uh, maybe another co-host, as J.J. definitely deserves the night off <laughs> because uh, he's uh, got too many irons in the fire now as it is. Um, and I've already got a couple people in mind. They don't know it yet, but you will when the time is right. Um, I also want to thank another person, Ty Brayton, 
again this week. I want to thank him for maintaining www.wrestlingnewslive.tk and updating the site and getting the archive out there and getting it all done for you to listen to. Um, so if you see Ty in the chat room or you see him on Facebook or whatever, you know, as a listener of Wrestling News Live, shoot him a message and thank him for his hard work, him and J.J. both. If you get a chance to thank J.J., do so, because if it wasn't for J.J. right now, there'd be no Wrestling News Live, and that's 100% gospel truth. So I can't give you a date because I don't know yet, but I will say this, coming sooner than later, the return of the doghouse with the Trey Dog on Thursday nights following Impact. Live, by the way. No pre-recorded bullshit. Live. That's right. You know what, Trey? I think we should probably uh, take our first commercial break, come back, and I know I want to recap Raw. And uh, tonight we're actually debuting our uh, Raw recapper, Josh Pedra, joins the program and is going to give his take on uh, on Monday Night Raw. So with that said, I'll give you a quick preview of what we might talk about on Raw. Is Wayne Brady going to have to choke a bitch? (laughs) But with that said, guys, we'll be right back right after this with more Wrestling News Live right here on the SNS Radio Network at SundayNightShowdown.com. Is Wayne Brady going to have to choke a bitch? Hey, this is Santo Loco, and you are listening to Wrestling News Live. Not getting enough TNA wrestling? It's time to join TNA Video Vault. TNA Video Vault gives you access to over 300 hours of TNA programming, including every pay-per-view and DVD ever released, as well as other exclusive TNA programs. Get unlimited viewing access for as little as $4.17 per month. Go to TNAVideoVault.com to get started today. <laughs> hey everybody, this is Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, and you're listening to WML Radio. Everybody's got a price. Everybody's gonna pay. I am voices in my head. They counsel me. They understand. They talk to me. Since 1996, Audio Wrestling has been getting in the ring as your definitive source for all your wrestling desires. Interviews with some of pro wrestling's biggest stars. Providing you with a wide selection of award-winning wrestling shows from past and present. Such as Ministry of Slam, Monday Night Mayhem, In Your Head, WrestleCast, Sunday Night Showdown, Wrestling News Live, Between the Ropes, RVD Radio, WrestleCast, and Wrestle Talk Radio, and many others. If you can't get enough Mad Mania, climb into the ring with Audio Wrestling, www.audiowrestling.com, and check out all the real voices of wrestling radio. Audio Wrestling, keeping you tuned in since 1996. I 
it's really hood. It's your man with that plan, Mr. I Thug Productions, Clinton Bowman here. And I'm here to remind everyone of the great programming on Sunday Night Showdowns, Island of Misfit Shows. On Sundays at 2 p.m. Eastern, Britain's number one wrestling radio show, The Ministry of Slam, will be slamming your headset for two full hours of wrestling-related news and discussion. Monday nights, Wrestling News Live takes over your lives at 11.30 p.m. with a trade dog and J.J. Sexay talk about Raw, Impact, take your calls, and have some good all-American fun. Tuesday nights have a stacked one beginning at 8 p.m. with the Kindness Crew, hosted by Rick Casey and Noreen, featuring many interviews with the legends of the game. Batty second is unplugged with J.J. Sexay and the Pimptacular Sean, talking a little NXT and video game and movie-related news. Friday nights is party night! When the Headlocks Lounge invades every year at 11.30, hosted by April Hagen, Caravan Guns, and Chris Kelly, and yours truly. Covering SmackDown, the news of the week, the wrestling of the week, and many different random things. And on Saturdays, we have the Pro Wrestling Rewind at 8.30 p.m., hosted by the Power Andy Knowles and the King of All Italy, Mike Siciliano. Talking a little bit about wrestling, TVs, whatever you can get your hands on, with a little bit of ranting from Andy and Mike every weekend. But that's just the regular weekly schedule. What you talking about, huh? On pay-per-view weekends, JJ Sexay hosts quick picks immediately after the rewind with the wonderful Harmony Boom Boom Sexay, Mark the Shark DiCarlo, and who is he? And then Webb's Dave. And all that madness carries over to Sundays with Sunday Night Showdown covers that week's pay-per-view. So there you have it. And remember, all of this content can be found exclusively at www.sundaynightshowdown.com. That, again, is www. S-U-N-D-A-Y-N-I-G-H-T-S-H-O-W-D-O-W-N dot C-O-M. Enjoy the rest of the show, guys. I'm Boogie. Deuces! International sensation Chris Kelly, and you're listening to Wrestling News Live exclusively on SunnyNightRound.com with your hosts Dre and JJ Sexy. And of course, that was uh, <laughs> the international sensation himself, the international man of mystery, Chris Kelly. Uh, from headlockstatlines.com. Sorry, I had to throw the Austin Powers music in there. He's British, by God. You know, I'm telling you, I, and, and, and I mean this in the best of ways, I've been around the block a day or two. You've been around the block a day or two. And, I mean, I know that I can remember listening to wrestling shows back in their heydays, back when you had your get in the rings and you had your no holes barred radio and you had between the ropes and you know everybody back in their heyday and all these shows you could tune into a different show on a different website every day but i got i got to tell you man i, I and, and it's not just because we're here on sundaynightshowdown.com but as a listener and as a person that takes place you know that participates in internet radio i am one proud individual to be associated with all the people that we're associated with on this network that's not a network. 
But, I mean, kudos to you guys that host other shows, and kudos to you, to, to all you crazy bastards that show up all the time. You know, I can't think of another place that has had such good content. But not only the content, but it's had so many people that just listen, willing to participate and willing to help out by cutting commercials and cutting promos. You know, it hit me like a lead brick one night as I was sitting here in Woodward at my computer. I've been talking to JJ, and we had agreed that we're going to bring the show back to Sunday Night Showdown. And I thought, you know, I will take credit for this. If anybody wants to call me a liar, they know how to get a hold of me, and we can debate this live on the air. But whatever show it is that yours truly, the Trey Dog, has been on, whenever you hear the big voiceover guy, that's always been my idea to bring that to every show I've been on. And that goes for the Nazi network and everything else. But, you know, I thought, what better way of really saying for the fans, by the fans, than to get you crazy some bitches involved and I can't think of another radio show that does that. And if they do, they stole it from us. Fuck them. Well, so, and, and I want to say yeah. one thing really quick. You, you mentioned the the Nazi Network. They actually they actually did give us a little bit of praise today, Trey. I don't know if you're aware of it, but they uh, they have evidently hit their one year anniversary, and uh, it was nice to see a shout out to both uh, Trey Stone and Jeff Jackson, thanking us for all the hard work we put in. Uh, over there. Obviously, we're no longer there. And again, I wish them the best of luck. I'm not going to sit here and take a shot, but thank you. Yeah, I mean, I hope, I hope, I hope that they make so much money over there that they can retire from their real jobs and live fat and sassy the rest of their lives. That's probably not ever going to happen, no matter who you got on the network. But you know what? For them to continue on after a year, kudos. Congratulations. But I mean, as far as this show goes, you know, and, and I didn't really, I, 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 I knew it, and I've known it, but it's one of those things that you don't really think about until you do, and just in a, a normal, off-the-air conversation that J.J. and I had this week, I believe, a couple days ago, we were talking about all the different places that Wrestling News Live has been, all the roadblocks, all the good times, and all the bad times. Because there's been as many bad times as there's been good times. And it kind of relates to what TNA is going through right now with them moving back to Thursday nights. And what I mean by that, as I like the cigarette I shouldn't be smoking, <laughs> what I mean by that is that J.J. and I had talked off the air, maybe even on the air, I think, at one point, about would it be okay and would it ever be acceptable or accepted in the public eye should T&A come out and say, hey, look, we made a mistake we're going to take our time slot on Thursdays back, just like we wondered if Vince would have ever come out and said, hey, look, the brand split was a bad idea. It was my idea. I'm responsible. My bad. Well, we knew Vince would never do that. 
His ego would not let him do that. But TNA doesn't have that Vincent Kennedy ego yet, at least not in the places where it matters. And, you know, watching TNA now go back to Thursdays sparks the question, you know, to the casual viewer, will they find them and will they be able to follow them to Thursdays? I think they will. I don't think this is going to be a big issue. But it reminds me of just the conversation that JJ and I had this week. And a lot of you don't know because you haven't been around forever. There's a lot of you out there, God bless you, that have been around forever with Wrestling News Live. There's some of you that have been around for quite a long time, just not quite forever, so bless your heart as well. And, hey, if you're listening to your first episode, thank you too. But, man, this show, over what has got to be at least 12 years by now, if WrestleView is celebrating their one-year anniversary, we've got to be at least 12 by now with Wrestling News Live. You know, and I look at the fan cast days. I mean, we've been through so many ups and downs that I can't even tell you everywhere we've been. You know, from the death of JSK to finally getting paid to, you know, having some of the best interviews. And that's not me being prejudiced or me, you know, saying that they're the best because it's my show or was my show or is our show, or it's your show, or their show. We've had some damn good interviews on Wrestling News Live. Going back to the Kid Cash interview that, that, that got so many people aware of who we were in the first place. But the one thing that I take away from every interview we've ever done is nobody has ever felt ambushed by coming on this show. Nobody has ever felt like we asked them something we told them we would not ask them before we interviewed them. You know, every interview we've done, people have left the interview and called us back to thank us for such a great job. I mean, it got to the point to where I remember a day where I got a phone call from Christopher Daniels out of the blue on a Wednesday about 3 o'clock. And when my phone rang, it said Christopher Daniels. And I thought, well, that's a little odd. We haven't talked to him in a couple months. Flipped open my phone, said hello, and he starts cutting a promo on me about how he was just on this show that was so ridiculous that he can't believe he's going to have his name associated with this radio show. And I don't even remember who they were, and they're not even probably in business now. But it was just a couple of kids with headsets in their grandma's basement that thought they were doing a radio show. And of all the people for him to call, he didn't call TNA's front office. He didn't call the person that works at TNA that booked the interview. He called me to bitch. (laughs) (laughs) You know? And, 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 And I take from that that, you know, these people trust us. They, you know, they're not afraid to come on the show. And JJ and I have been talking about how it's been so long since Wrestling News Live has been, you know, synonymous for doing these great interviews. And it's something that he and I want to bring back. You know, we want to bring some interviews on here. 
it's just that with Wrestling News Live and myself, for those of you that were there for that period of time, shit, we were doing three interviews a show. And I just got burnt out on it. And you don't realize how much of a hassle it is to schedule an interview a lot of times because you've got to book the damn thing, you got to call them in a couple days in advance and remind them. you got to call them that day and make sure it's still okay that they come on later that night. Then you got to get them on the air. you got to hope that everything with Skype sounds okay. A lot of shows depend on interviews because they don't have the co-host that I have. They don't have the help that I have. They can't carry on a, a conversation and entertain their listeners without help from a guest. We are enough that JJ and I can talk about anything and be entertaining. Thank God. This is true. But I guess where all this started and where I want to end up is I just want to thank the listeners, first and foremost, for A, coming back to the show if you weren't a listener while we were on the other network. B, if you've been a long-time listener, bless your heart, thank you for wasting your Monday nights or whatever night you download the show. And this goes to you podcast listeners as well. Just because you're not here live doesn't mean we don't care about you. But from the trade dog and the 12 years that I have invested in this show, I just want to personally thank everybody who has stuck around and everybody who's joined us along the way. Amen. So with that being said, I give you the control, JJ. No, I appreciate that. And we, we do love you guys, man. We, don't, we, we do this show for you. So I'm glad that we, uh, we still have a, a huge fan base and we keep growing every day. So I, I want to thank everybody that does tune in. Uh, with that said, let me cue this music up and let's bring on our Raw recapper and discuss a little Monday Night Raw tray. Ladies and gentlemen, with that playing in the background, I want to I want to bring on for the first time right here on Wrestling News Live our new Raw recapper. Welcome to the program, Josh Pedra. Hey, hey, it's Ray Dog and Sexay. What's up? Not much, man. What's you going mean, on with we, you? We, we let this guy quit his last job on our show, and we had the balls to give him a job. Holy shit! <laughs> Rest assured, I won't be quitting again. Especially <laughs> well, buddy, how are you? It's been a while since we spoke, so uh, how are things with you on your end of the world? Uh, things are going pretty well. Um, just doing my thing day to day, and, you know, can't really complain about anything, so things must be going pretty good. So, though, JJ and I were talking uh, yesterday or the day before, and uh, your name came up with the degree that it would be a good idea to bring you on as a part of the Wrestling News Live staff, so formally from myself, welcome. Well, I thank you for the welcome, and Dino to say I'm very excited to be here. Um, so I wish to thank both you and JJ for this opportunity, and hopefully I don't scrub it up for you guys. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have faith in you, bro. Hopefully not like Mr. Kennedy or Mr. Anderson type faith. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't we don't want you wearing our, you know, a, a, a choir boy, you know, uh outfit to to work every Monday night. That would uh kind of creep us out a little bit there, Josh. <laughs> As would myself. I, I would hate to think you're cutting Catholic promos, you know, in, in a robe. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hulk Hogan always said Vince McMahon was God, but I don't think I'm going to take it that far. There you go. There you go. So in the big wide world of Monday Night Raw, educate us on uh, what happened tonight. Well, we did have uh, an interesting edition of Monday Night Raw tonight, hosted by what he's been deemed as Bob Darker, otherwise known as uh, Wayne Brady. And uh, I was a little disappointed. We didn't get to see him choke a bitch tonight. No. Although I would have loved to have seen him do that to Jillian Hall. That would have been absolutely perfect. But with the PG rating, I just couldn't see Wayne Brady reaching his hands out and squeezing the neck of a diva on live television. That would have been nice, especially if... Now, I haven't seen Raw yet, so I'm going to watch it when we get done here, but... Did he at least break out any of his win of his uh, let's make a deal stick? Uh, no, he really didn't do anything as far as like let's make a deal is concerned. Um, and another thing he used to do, if you're not familiar with it, is uh, whose line is it anyway? When the uh, show came from Britain to America and Drew Carey hosted, he was a regular on that. He didn't do any of that stick either. But oddly enough, they actually did a play off his Dave Chappelle skit um, later on in the night. Uh, basically, he was in the backroom area with Kozlov, and Santino came in, and of course, Santino made a reference to the Brady Bunch, thinking that, you know, they could actually restart it with Wayne Brady, and then all of a sudden, uh, William Regal comes in and tells Kozlov that they have a match to get ready for, they leave, and then when everyone's all said and done, there is Goldust, dressed up as, um, oh, I can't even remember her name. Alice. The, uh, Alice, thank you. Uh, dressed up as Alice, and <laughs> basically goes, I'm Goldust, witch. Right to uh, uh, Wayne Brady's face. So even though they didn't drop the B word, uh, those who have followed Chappelle's show pretty much got the reference, and I laughed at it. Now, see, if, if, if they would have played this tonight, it would have been entertaining. Just just bear with me for a second. <laughs> Hold on. <All> right. <laughs> there he is. Break yourself, fool! Oh, shit, it's Wayne Brady, son! <laughs> Is Wayne Brady gonna have to choke a bitch? <laughs> run, bitch, run, but you're not giving help! <laughs> now, see, that would have been fun. I love the part of that skit where the cop comes to the door and Wayne gets out and gives him his license and he goes, Oh, Wayne Brady, my mom loves you. I can't believe, she's never gonna believe this. And he starts singing, the spotlight comes in, and he shoots the cop. <laughs> and he goes, he goes uh, my mom's not going to believe it. He goes, she ain't never going to find out, bitch, and then breaks his neck. That was great. <laughs> yeah. She ain't never going to find out, bitch. Like, slowing down. He's like, shh, shh, shh. And when all the time, he's just bugging in the car. But I can't believe, because his, I mean, to my knowledge, unless it's just a syndicated rerun thing, correct me if I'm lying to you, but his regular gig is hosting um, Let's Make a Deal on daytime television. Yes. I mean, what cooler way 
to implement wrestling into somebody's full-time gig with a let's make a deal sketch for a shot at a title or something. You know, and even if you even if you have it planned out to where Santino's the, the the guy, obviously, and he says, "Okay, Santino, you have won three hundred dollars. Now you can cash in that three hundred dollars on a month behind door number three." And he stands around looking at the crowd, looking at the crowd. They're all going three, three, three. So he takes door number three as a jackass or something. So instead of a title shot, he loses. You know. And, and, and when's the donkey or some shit? I can't believe they didn't do something with that. I mean, that just writes itself. I mean, they did. They went so hard to do that stupid bullshit with with Jerry Springer. And they did it with and, Bob you know, Barker. In fact, uh, that basically for the first seventy-one minutes of Raw, which is nine p.m. all the way to ten eleven p.m., I kept track of this. For the first seventy-one minutes, we had seen Wayne Brady for a total of two minutes on a backstage skit involving uh, Jillian Hall, Divas champion Eve Torres, and Maurice. That is all now, we saw is it, is it, until the second hour. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but since about... Well, I'll tell you where it, it, it really kind of changed. Since about the... Uh, uh, what's his name? I can see his face. Uh, he was the host of Monday Night Football, Dennis Miller. Since the Dennis Miller debacle, from about from about then on, isn't that all we've really gotten out of any of our our, our hosts, other than Cheech and Chong with a little, you know, deal in the ring, and then uh, Springer with a little deal in the ring? I mean, really, we're we're not the, the the guest general manager has been really irrelevant since about the Dennis Miller debacle, you know. Um, they don't come out, and they don't schedule matches. They don't implement themselves in matches like they did before. I mean, it's to a point to where we sit back as, as fans and say, oh, that guest general manager is so overplayed and outworn us welcome. Well, even though they're still doing it technically, they're not really doing anything with it to, to, to determine anything on the show so it's kind of like they're there, but they're not there. So, I mean, we win and we don't win. You know what I mean? That's true. But Wayne Brady did actually have a pretty good segment at the end of the show, and I'll get to that a little bit later, uh, since they ended up bringing back the Piper's Pit, excuse me, I mean the uh, Cutting Edge, um, for the uh, main event of Monday Night Raw. And uh, he had a significant role in that. Um, but... With Wayne Brady aside, uh, Monday Night Raw actually opened up with a Batista promo, and I have to say I was not really impressed with this Batista promo. This was your typical uh, generic heel promo where he pretty much talked about the last man standing match against John Cena back at Extreme Rules, and he did his uh, typical heel stick that any generic heel in the WWE would do where he said, I'm going to say this real slow so even the fans can understand it, and... Uh, you know, it just seemed just so, you know, repeated from what we've heard any heel say in the past. It was just pretty bad. But it did set up uh, the uh, the two big matches of the night, though. Um, like you said, Trey, I would have loved to have seen a let's make a deal type thing. But instead, they went with a beat the clock challenge uh, where Batista would have been facing the Miz. And then John Cena would be facing Chris Jericho. And whoever won their match in the fastest time would get to pick the stipulation between their return match at Over the Limit. 
And uh, that's pretty much what the promo started out as. Then Seamus hit the ring, and this is where it actually got interesting, where basically Seamus actually took a shot at the uh, quote-unquote backstage politics in the WWE, saying that the only reason why he didn't get his WWE title match because he beat the son-in-law, Triple H, and put him out. And basically, he went back and forth with Batista. He proposed to Batista that it would be him and Sheamus tonight, where if Sheamus won, he would get the uh, the spot over the limit, but Batista declined, and they went with the uh, what they mentioned with the um, beat-the-clock challenge instead. So basically, another night goes by, where a guy like Sheamus, who has in all actuality earned the right to intervene in the number one contendership, is left hanging high and dry? Pretty much. Um, although Sheamus did get a little more involvement uh, as the show went on, so they are trying to build something with it, but um, since they're really putting the focus on Batista and Cena, even though what they did later on in the show didn't really feel like it really accomplished much and in my eyes, and pretty much what he did was just a simple run-in and uh, basically just attacked, uh, actually I can't even find it in my notes, but I'll come to it a little bit later. Uh, but even still, what they did to build him up kind of um, just fell flat in my opinion. i tell you what I like and what, why I probably seem a little partial to Sheamus. Um... It goes back to a show we've done probably three weeks ago, maybe longer now. Um, I've slept since then. But JJ and I talked about basically doomsday period for the WWE. And what we meant by that was, you know, for you cigarette smokers out there, this will be a great visual for you. You've got six cigarettes in a pack, and you don't have any way of going to the store. So every time you smoke one, you look down and you go, oh, shit, now I've only got five. Shit, now I've only got four. Shit, now I'm down to two. What do I do? Then you start to panic and you're like, how am I going to get to the store? How am I going to get more cigarettes? Who can I call? What can I do? Well, it's the same thing with WWE superstars. They're slowly starting to be smoked away and take time off or retire or step out of the limelight. And the WWE is that smoker who's down to two or three cigarettes being two or three superstars, and they're worried. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, in their case, they just force somebody on you. And you either like them or you don't. And nine times out of ten, you don't. But a guy like Sheamus was not necessarily force-fed on us. He was kind of... His career track was was sped up a little bit because they knew that eventually they were going to run out of superstars and they needed somebody to step up. So I look at Sheamus with everything they do to him and with him, and I got to tell you, I did not like the guy at first, but he's grown on me to where now I know that he's a project. I know he's a WWE project in the making. So I kind of find myself, although he's a bad guy, I find myself pulling for him not to win, but just to be able to grab some spotlight every week so that he's still considered a major player. And I think that they need to do this with more people. 
you know, because like I said, Triple H is out, Undertaker out, gone, retired, you know, Batista supposedly leaving. If you think the product sucks now, wait three months when some of these guys that are still gone are still out and others treasuring them, and it's so watered down that you can't help but have people from SmackDown on Raw on Raw on SmackDown just to fill a show. Otherwise, you get a whole show of jobbers, and that's when we go on shows like this and say, well, that was like watching a house show. Because that's what it'll become. So that's why when I hear about things like with Sheamus, I take interest because he's the future along with, some, with several other people we haven't found yet or haven't, you know, been shown yet. These are the guys that as wrestling, I do the figure quotations, media and journalists we have to take pride in and wish the best for or else this product's going to get really bad really, really fast. You've got a good point there, and I, I somebody said this in the chat room, and I agree with them. I think it might have been Crelly, but somebody made mention of the fact that uh, they thought Sheamus was going to be the one to take Batista out when he does finally leave, and I think that would be a good stepping stone for Sheamus. Again, another uh, another card in, or another feather in his card, really. When you think about it, he's the guy that, that put Triple H out for a while. He beat John Cena to become the WWE champion, and then he puts out Batista. I mean, you're pretty much made at that point. And I think that with a guy like Sheamus, and you're right, whoever said it, with J.J., you're right on point. Uh, another feather in his cap, so to speak, you know, especially with a guy like Sheamus who likes to tell you how awesome he is and how, you know, many people he's destroyed, you know, not many people can say they took out the members of Evolution. And as soon as he takes out Batista, I have him focus, no matter what the storyline is or title situation is, on Randy Orton. Because then you have instant babyface against instant fucking badass. But, I mean, really have Sheamus in a high-profile, maybe even a SummerSlam-type match, not only beat Batista, but destroy him to the point that that's where Batista retires. And I think Batista's a good enough guy that when it comes time to do the right thing for the business, he will. But, I mean, that could be your stick for Sheamus. I beat Triple H. I took him out of action. I've now beaten Batista. I've taken him out of action. If Ric Flair were still around, I'd destroy his old ass. And now I'm coming for you, Randy, and I've taken out the members of Evolution. I'm coming for you, yeah, fella. Yeah, pretty much turning Sheamus into the, uh, what, what basically Randy Orton was, was the legend killer, just on a right. new scale. I like it. Puts asses in seats. Exactly. And uh, what might put some asses in seats is how Monday Night Raw basically became Monday Night NXT, since uh, right after the Batista promo, he stayed in the ring, and uh, Miz comes out, and, of course, if you haven't seen what happened to him, um, he got punched out by the big show. And basically, makeup put his big bruise on his uh, his face, and he couldn't talk for, quote-unquote, three days. And he's carrying on that little uh, that gimmick into Monday Night Raw, 
and he brought himself a uh, brought with himself a uh, an envelope that says doctor's note on it. So he walks down to the ring and basically tells Batista that he would love to give him the match of his lifetime, but he has a doctor's note and he's not going to compete. So taking his place is basically his NXT rookie Daniel Bryan. And now we have Batista versus Daniel Bryan in the first match of the night uh in a beat the clock challenge and surprisingly this was an, an incredible match, in my opinion. Um, of course, Batista did his uh, I'm bigger than you, overpowered moves, made Daniel Bryan look uh, like he could be dominated, but he just came back time after time with different submission holds, and the crowd was really getting into uh, Daniel Bryan's uh, submissions, uh, especially when he locked in a combination of an arm bar and face lock, and people were screaming for Batista to tap, and uh, pretty much gave Batista a hell of a match. And in the end, though, uh, he did hit a spear and then the Batista bomb to beat Daniel Bryan in five minutes and six seconds, giving that the time to beat for John Cena. And uh, after the match, uh, basically you would think the Miz would come down and beat down Bryan for, uh, you know, losing again. But instead, Batista came back and gave Daniel Bryan two more Batista bombs and put the exclamation point on it. You know what? And and I I thought that was a good match, too. Daniel Bryan had a good run against Batista. I love the fact that he got on the mic and said that he was going to make Batista tap out. And unfortunately, he didn't do that, but he did last five minutes. A lot of people, especially Michael Cole, on the broadcast talking about, well, this shouldn't take too long. He'll be done in 30 seconds. you know. And So there was some back and forth between, uh, between Lawler and Cole over it, and I thought Lawler kind of put him in his place a couple times. So they're really trying to branch out with this Michael Cole heel announcer thing. And I, I don't know if I'm really getting into it or not. I, I just I think it's not working, in my opinion. Well, he's he's being forced fed his lines and you know and JJ, you know this better than anybody. Um, from your experience doing color commentary at wrestling events. You know, when I sat down next to you before the cameras were rolling and I looked at you and I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to do here? You know, you're the ace in the hole, I'm just the comedy guy. You know, and you're like, oh, well, you're the baby face, and I'm the heel, so just take whatever I say and roll with it. You know, um, you have the ability to turn it on and off because of your natural persona. I'm not saying you're an asshole in real life. I'm just saying. I can't be. <laughs> you can. I know you well enough, but I know that you can play that role. Michael Cole, I don't think, is that kind of person. And they're force-feeding him his lines, and they're not coming out natural. Right. And that's, that's the, and you know this, that's the biggest no-no in announcing. Um, and it's just not gonna work. And the best thing that they did, though, was for a company, which cracks me the hell up, that thinks the internet doesn't exist, or that the internet is a piece of shit, you know, from a company that won't let wrestling radio shows interview their superstars unless they're on real radio, well, that just shows how stupid you are because the Internet signal is a lot bigger than that of the terrestrial radio signal. More people listen to Internet radio these days than they do the radio in their car, and for a longer period of time, and the stats will back it up. But any time they can turn it around and use the Internet in their favor, all on um, Matt Hardy and Lita and all that bullshit, well, then they're the first ones to embrace it. So by taking Michael Cole and turning him against the Internet wrestling community right off the bat, 
was the best thing they could have done. So at least they do have a positive going with that. True that. <clears throat> Indeed. Uh, I think that was probably one of the smarter things they did on uh, when they started off NXT was basically take Michael Cole and make him an anti-internet persona. And uh, it's too bad they really can't continue that throughout you know the entire show. I mean, I know it would probably get a little bit old uh, from now and then, but to have it on certain segments... You know, it just seems like a like a hit or miss type deal for him. Um, I would like to see a little more interaction with that. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe sometimes refer to I don't know, like a like a wrestler's blog on WWE.com and have uh, Michael Cole kind of shoot it down, saying he doesn't read the internet or something. You know, to just kind of like keep up the uh, the stick a little bit. I would, I would agree, agree with that. that. Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not jinx it. Uh, then we move on to the second match of the evening after uh, Ted, DiBiase, Ted DiBiase excuse me, comes out with a million-dollar belt and basically cuts a promo uh, on R-Truth saying that he approached him last week on Monday Night Raw to uh, be his new Virgil, so to speak. And, of course, we all know that Truth turned him down, so he's looking for a new personal assistant. And John Morrison comes out for the match. And the match ends up ending relatively quickly after Morrison hits a an impressive no-hands top-rope springboard 450 onto Ted DiBiase on the floor. And Ted basically gets up, says forget it, and Morrison initially wins by countout. And Morrison picks up the mic and says, this is not how this match is going to end. I want him back in the ring, and Ted continues to walk away. Then Morrison says the words that Ted wanted to hear, and that is, if Morrison loses the match that he will become his new Virgil. So Ted does a 180, comes back to the ring, and pretty much it's a pretty nice back-and-forth match. Um, actually, it was a lot better than the Batista-Daniel Bryan match. And matter of fact, I would probably call it match of the night. Uh, these two really busted their ass in the ring. And uh, the ending came when uh, Ted DiBiase went for uh, Dream Street, and Morrison walked up the turnbuckles and fell back on top of DiBiase, pinning him. And so, therefore, um, he didn't have to become his Virgil, so to speak. And, of course, Ted DiBiase uh, pretty much beat him down after the match for basically costing him a shot at that. And then R-Truth comes out, makes the save, and then that pretty much ends that little fiasco. So it looks like they're pretty much building up a Ted DiBiase-R-Truth match. And I can pretty much see this being signed for over the limit with possibility of the, uh, the Virgil thing being a stipulation added to the match. And, you know, one of the things that I find interesting with this whole John Morrison, Ted DiBiase thing, a lot of people are so negative on John Morrison, they don't think that he has wrestling ability. Well, we saw that he had wrestling ability tonight in the in the maneuvers that he was doing. It wasn't all just, you know, uh, you know high-risk, high-reward moves. He did a lot of mat wrestling with Ted DiBiase. The finish, I thought, was really good. And you can really tell that Bret Hart has an influence on, on that locker room right now. He's mentoring the Hart Dynasty. He's obviously helping people with finishes to the match. And we've seen this finish to a match many times before. First time being WrestleMania 8 when it was Piper and uh, and Bret Hart for the Intercontinental title, where Piper basically hits the, uh, the sleeper hold, and Bret basically jumps off the turnbuckle and turns it into a pin. We've seen it with Austin and Hart, and we saw it again tonight, obviously, mm-hmm. with, with, uh, with Morrison and, and Junior. So I, I'm looking forward to what these two can do. I think that Morrison is going to be a player on this brand, and uh, this is a, this is a big step for him right now. Uh, and he and DiBiase did a fantastic job. 
I can even see in the future of them doing this, you know, whole Virgil stipulation, um, building up, building up, building up to where, you know, it almost it almost feels like to us, the Internet know-it-alls, Demiossi is going to go over and Shreve's going to become his Virgil, but it backfires and he ends up winning that million-dollar belt. Can you imagine R-Truth running around, you know, with that belt, like a film vignette to him going from pawn shop to pawn shop and shit like that? <laughs> it would be perfect. It would be awesome. I, I still say this, and I said this on, on Unplugged not too long ago. Uh, I think that what's going to happen with NXT is Tarver's probably going to be the first one eliminated. And I, I just have a, I have a feeling that Tarver's going to Raw because he's going to end up being with Ted DiBiase. I mean, when you look at this kid, he's got a boxing background, same as Virgil, and he's got a dominating presence. So I think that if yeah. anybody is going to be the new Virgil for Ted DiBiase Jr., it's got to be uh, Michael Tarver. And, you know, you can even work it to where, you know, like I said, Truth wins the million-dollar title, Tarver gets eliminated, Truth goes on for weeks carrying that belt, bringing it to the ring, DiBiase will stop at nothing to get it back, and then Tarver takes it upon himself to sucker punch Truth in the back, take the belt, bring it to DiBiase, and that's his way of getting hired. True that. That could very well happen. That That's actually a pretty interesting scenario, and uh, it would be really easy to set up, too, since, uh, as we all know, R-Truth is Michael Tarver's pro, so that would be right. just perfect setup. Uh, speaking of NXT, like I said before, uh, Monday Night Raw became Monday Night NXT because the third match was the second Beat the Clock Challenge, where uh, John Cena was slated to face Chris Jericho. Jericho comes out, and he cuts a promo now, saying that he's beaten Cena so many times in the past that it would just be a waste of his time to do it again. So he basically makes Wade Barrett, his NXT rookie, face Cena. And pretty much Wade Barrett held his own as well in this match and really was very impressive, um, basically countering some of Cena's stuff and uh, slapping on a couple submissions, big uh, hits as well. And Jericho played his uh, NXT role uh, like we all loved him to do. He was at ringside basically yelling at Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler to talk about uh, Wade Barrett on commentary. And Michael Cole was doing his stick saying, we are talking about him. And Jericho goes, we'll talk more. So it was interesting when the camera picked up Jericho. And, of course, uh, Cena wins with 27 seconds left on the clock, making him the uh, winner of the Beat the Clock Challenge. And uh, he picks up the microphone and says that he's not going to wait to uh, to deliver the stipulation. He's going to announce it right now. And as soon as he does, Sheamus hits the ring, basically jumps John Cena. And because of that, we don't get to hear the stipulation for the rest of the night. But that's the other thing I was alluding to earlier with Sheamus basically coming out and hitting his mark, but again, that was the last we saw of it, so maybe they'll continue it next week on Raw with something else. Maybe he'll set up a triple threat instead of Cena, Batista, part 5 million, but uh, right now it is a slow build-up, and it looks like they are trying to include Sheamus a little bit, but tonight, like I said, it just felt a little bit flat with what they're doing. Now, didn't now correct me if I'm wrong, JJ, but what, I, I want to say I was listening to an edition of Sunday Night Showdown we are talking to Mark the Shark, about NXT, I want to say it was you that said that Wade Barrett was your dark horse. Yeah, I did say that about Wade Barrett. I think he's got a ton of now, potential. He's got the size. He's got the build. He's got the mic skills. I think he's he's really going to be the total package out of this whole thing. And, you know, you're right because 
and it goes back to what we were talking about a little bit ago. If you don't have that persona in you personally, it's hard to pull off. It's hard to fake. But with his build, his gimmick of I'm better than you with the suit jacket and the robe or the flower and then his accent, he automatically comes off as that snooty, I'm better than you, you know, you're, you're lucky that you, you paid to, to see me and blah, 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 blah. You know, he is, it's just, he's a perfect guy to hate, which makes him such a credible heel and something that the WWE needs right now. So he can be on the fast track. Um, as a dark horse from NXT, he can be a guy that doesn't win it and still end up on Raw or SmackDown. Well, all those guys, it doesn't matter who wins this thing, they're all going to end up on the roster. A lot of them are going to SmackDown. I, I can tell you that now. They need those guys on SmackDown to kind of help build that roster up. Uh, I, I just don't see any of them not being a part of the show in any way. So it's like the Divas competition. Despite the fact you didn't right. win, you didn't become a Diva, you're still on the roster. It's just... Uh, I just I don't see. And a word of advice, it. a word of advice to these NXT superstars: don't pose naked in Playboy, and you'll still have a job. No shit. Oh wait, never, never mind. Bad thoughts there, Trey. <laughs> and speaking of Wade Barrett, wasn't he supposed to get his own entrance theme? I was just about to say that. Um, he won the competition on NXT a few weeks ago where he was supposed to, quote-unquote, fly to Stanford, Connecticut and get his own theme music made. And so far, we haven't heard anything about that. I don't well, know. Maybe you will tomorrow night on NXT. Maybe. Possible. And uh, speaking of posing for Playboy, two people I wish would. Uh, the next match is Maurice against Nikki Bella. And uh, this one, I don't know what they were thinking on the booking of this. I mean, honestly, I don't really care that much about WWE Divas Wrestling, but since I'm recapping Raw, I kind of have to like watch it. But uh, <laughs> basically, Nikki Bella controlled the entire match, except for when uh, they brought Maurice to the outside, and it went back in the ring, and Maurice just hits the French kiss out of nowhere and ends the match. I mean, the entire offense was about 95% Nikki Bella, 5% Maurice, and she gets the win. And um, after the match... Uh, we pretty much know that uh, April was the month of jobbing to inanimate objects. We had Doug Williams job to a volcano. We had Batista job to duct tape. And we had uh, Dixie Carter job to a ring rope. Well, we had our first inanimate object job of the month of May as Eve Torres came in to the ring to get revenge on the attack that Maurice did earlier uh, in the show and jobbed at a ring apron. She basically screwed up getting into the ring by stumbling over the ring apron, but she eventually got it in. The referee held her back, but uh, pretty much it was kind of comical to see. So we have our first official inanimate object job of the month of May. Yay. Let's hope for more of those. I'm loving that, by the way. Oh, and uh, in my column, I'm going to be pretty much having a counter up, so I'm going to be keeping track of all these inanimate objects, jobbing to uh, wrestlers and pretty much anybody in the wrestling business in general. So Now, speaking of your column, speaking of your column, why don't you give everybody the heads up on what it's called and where it can be found? Well, if you'd like to read my column, it's called The Wrestling Den, and it is on the official news source for the Sunday Night Showdown Radio Network. The website is from headlockstoheadlines.com. You can catch it every Tuesday. Yay, cheap plug, cheap Those plug. Those are plug, Crowley. <laughs> Oh, shit, Josh. I know he's probably going to want me to do it. But, uh, so there you go, Crowley. There's your plug for tonight. 
I'm surprised Crowley hasn't called in and said, you guys haven't plugged us enough yet. Well, we haven't <laughs> taken calls yet, but I'm sure he'll he'll call in. Oh, sure. So moving on with moving on with the raw recap. Basically, the next match was uh, right away. We had Zack Ryder coming out, so we got a little bit of O Radio on Monday Night Raw, and uh, the second appearance, yeah. official appearance of uh, of Wayne Brady. He basically says that he is going to be making a match between Zack Ryder and Mark Henry, and out comes Kool Aid Man in red attire and all. And pretty much it was an over-glorified squash with uh, Mark Henry getting the win via the World's Strongest Slam. And pretty much his prize for winning is Gail Kim and Alicia Fox, who were at ringside. Zack Ryder brought him out to impress them with his wrestling ability. But since he lost, Mark Henry got the girls, and pretty much that was the entire point of the match, I guess. I don't see anything else really about it. (laughs) And then after that, we had... uh, the probably most interesting segment on the show, we saw Chris Jericho backstage talking to someone off camera, but as soon as he started talking about the common things of Big Show getting you know, his revenge and punching people in the face, we found out the person he was talking to was The Miz. And uh, they have a little conversation going where they want to make a statement to The Big Show about him getting the sucker punches on them. So they kind of form a new tag team. Uh, they basically agree that both of them were tag teaming with the Big Show as champions, and they kind of say that they're the ones carrying the team. So now Jericho and Miz are pretty much uh, forming a new tag team, and our chat room earlier basically named them Jizz. And if this were 1998, I could totally see the WWE going that direction. It's Jizz, ladies and gentlemen. Chris Jericho and the Miz. Jizz. Oh, gotta love it. Gotta love it. And then... This this might be this might be a tag team that actually, depending on how it ends up tonight, could have some legs on it. That's well, true. I mean, Jericho and Big Show was a huge success with Jericho, and then we had Miz and Big Show, which had a good run. And I'm pretty sure with the uh, the heel chemistry that both Jericho and Miz have, uh, this would really uh, be an interesting tag team. I really think those two could really uh, be a bigger success and probably the top heel team in the WWE altogether. Um, so it's just pretty much how it's going to pan out, how they're going to book it. But this team has a lot of potential, I agree. And uh, C.J. Bowman actually says the song would have to be Jizz in My Pants. Yes. Jizz in My Pants? There's a song called Jizz in My Pants? <laughs> yeah. Yes, there is. <laughs> I might have to go find it first song of the night. <laughs> I don't awesome. know. I don't know. I am a Miz, and I just jizzed in my pants, and it was awesome. <laughs> and I'm Chris Jericho, and he's the best at what he does, jizzing in his pants. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note. Oh, so moving on with the rest of the recap, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Tate. It's breaking down. Soundboard. <laughs> And then the next match, we had uh, the new unified tag team champions, the Hart Dynasty, with the voluptuous Italian Nyhart, uh versus Hale Kozlov and Mr. William Regal. And pretty much, I guess, the official finisher of the Hart Dynasty is going to be the sharpshooter because um, T.J. Wilson used it to win the titles, and tonight D.H. Smith used it to basically retain the titles. So... I guess shared between them, they're pretty much using the sharpshooter as, uh, you know, the official finisher of the tag team now. 
Um, now, least, don't they don't they do something? Don't they do something together off the top rope first to set that up? Uh, the heart attack, yeah. Yeah, they pretty much use the heart attack. Uh, just making sure. And, and I, you know what? I'm pretty sure that D.H. Smith is probably going to end up using the uh, the running power slam every now and then. But you know, they are getting scouted. Uh, I've read reports as far as Bret Hart is concerned. When he's not with them, he actually gets copies of their matches and gives them feedback. So. This has been nothing but good for them, and I've seen improvement in the Hart dynasty in the last couple of months since Bret Hart's been around. And, uh, and, I, and I can remember, I can remember saying when we were on the other network, we were talking about the impact that Bret Hart would make. I remember saying the only good thing that could come of this is if, when they patch things up, which obviously had to do before he would agree to come on TV in the first place. But they need to not worry about patching things up and you know, closure from Sean and Vince, but he needs to be involved as as an agent in a way backstage working with some of these, you know, unpolished wrestlers. And that's exactly what it seems to be doing right now, which is a blessing for the WWE. Absolutely. And, and I think that, like I said, having him in the locker room area, helping guys with finishes like we saw tonight, I think. And, you know, I, I just think it's it's a good mix. And he's one of the last storytellers really in this business and so hopefully i know that the rumor is he's done as of uh may 17th but i think in some unofficial fashion he's going to be around for a while well there's not many guys in the world and i'm sure that you're probably going to laugh at me when i tell you this but i mean i'll give hunter golden props he would be a, he would be a guy that if i were if i were starting a, a federation you know let's say i lived in fuck Atlanta somewhere or some outskirt of Atlanta and I wanted to put together you know a wrestling federation that would just wrestle on Saturday nights locally but I still wanted to bring in some of this TNA type talent you know, maybe some Ring of Honor type talent to mesh with my local guys and get some of these NWA guys that, that, that travel from NWA to NWA you know if I were to do that and I had some green guys on my roster, which, as a startup federation, JJ, you've been there. Ninety percent of your roster is going to be green when you start out. Oh, absolutely. If I were to do something like that, I would hire a guy like you, JJ, or a guy like a Hunter Golden, somebody who, for some reason, has this talent of remembering. Oh, well, that was a finish back in 1982 when. Who gives a fuck slammed? Who gives a shit for the win? You just have this this knack of remembering these great go homes and how to set things up. You know, there's not a lot of people that retain shit that well. You know, and you guys are both good at that. From working with both of you, I can say that. But Bret Hart being there, I think when it comes to being an eighth and saying, okay, we've got this match, how do we want to end it so that we don't just kill somebody and we set something up for the next time? God, what a blessing it is to have somebody with that kind of knowledge in the locker room area. Well, I'm glad you brought you know, up about uh, not killing someone and setting something up for the next time because after the match took place, uh, one thing I forgot to mention was Jericho and Miz were sitting at commentary for the whole match, and after D.H. Smith got the win, um, 
dodges attacks and basically hits the code breaker on D.H. Smith and then finally the skull crushing finale. So they pretty much took out the Hart Dynasty after everything was said and done. And see, that's what's great is because the Jericho and Miz tag team, they were supposed to bond together to maybe go take out the big show or to show the big show that they don't need him to be a great tag team that they can do it on their own, but by the same token, don't think that they don't want those tag team belts, which should be the focus of every tag team that's on the WWE roster. Exactly. Which are few and far between anyway, since there's only like, what, two or three official tag teams on the whole roster to begin with? But how amazing is it, and what does it say about guys like The Miz and Jericho that the last two or three incarnations they've been in, that tag team has been successful because of them. And don't take anything away from the big show. I think the big show is best used two ways. And they haven't really used him in a dominant singles role because how many times have they fired him because he got too fat and got too lazy? And then how many times has he been that big jobber that jobs out you know, but when he's in a tag team, he's successful. He's in a tag team with somebody else that is like the complete contrast of his style. He's successful. That's hard to do in the wrestling business, number one. Number two, you know, they haven't used him as that dominant single star, which I think they're going to do on SmackDown, which is why they had the whole backstage thing with him and Teddy Long. Um, but I mean, really, if you think about it, he hasn't been a dominant big man since they called him Paul White when they first brought him in, and he was feuding with Stone Cold. I mean, when has he been a real dominant? When has he been a real dominant singles wrestler? I mean, he's been beaten by every big name on the roster. Actually, he was pretty dominant when he uh, went to ECW when it was first uh, brought back. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. He was. He was. So, I mean, hopefully they were – and that's kind of what I was alluding to last week at the draft when I said, you know, SmackDown got their big star and they had that whole backstage thing with Teddy Long. You know, Big Show now as an individual needs to go on that un, unbeatable run where it, it takes two people to take him out, you know, back like he was when he was, you know, Paul Heyman's personally picked champion on ECW when ECW debuted. No, I'd agree with that. Uh, there was a question, actually, Josh, uh, from Blackheart in the chat, uh, wanting to know your opinion on what you thought happened with Kozlov and uh, and, T- and uh, Tyson Kidd tonight, because it looked like he legit got hurt in that match. Um, he did. Um, if he didn't get legit hurt, that was some phenomenal selling by Tyson Kidd. Um, so I guess we'll have to wait and see uh, if there's any injury reports coming out, but... Yeah, Tyson looked uh, pretty banged up after that. Well, he took a hell of a tumble out. To, I, I missed part of a part of the match. I saw him take the fall. I'm not sure what Kozlov did to set it up, but he definitely took a nasty fall uh, from the ring apron to the outside, and it, it uh, he looked like he was in a lot of pain. Now, just to interrupt a little bit here, I'm assuming because Kozlov was on Raw tonight, he was drafted to Raw. Uh, he he actually was a part of the Raw roster after ECW closed down. He's been oh, there. So he wasn't involved in the draft. He just went to Raw after ECW. Yeah, he's been there for a while. He just he's had like you know low profile things. The last time we saw is him, this was, a, is, 
is this a guy that we're ever going to see anything out of, or is he going to continue to just be this guy that he is now? i got to be honest. I think they should put him on SmackDown. I think Kozlov will be a welcome member over there. He had a good run last time he was on SmackDown, and with the lack of main event talent, I think Kozlov would be a guy that you could really have a, a nice heel run with. Yeah, I think Kozlov could, should be another guy. And I think they tried it and it didn't completely take, but I think Kozlov could be another Sheamus if you moved him over to SmackDown, because I'm trying to think, with the SmackDown roster as it is, who does the big show really have over there to feud with right now? CM Punk? Swagger. Swagger? Okay, those two guys, I I can see decent matches out of those. Um, Who else? You've got to remember how really loaded Raw is right now. Well, like I said, SmackDown has become the show that they're populating with guys that they're going to build up. And the next draft, the guys that get built up from SmackDown will get drafted to Raw. And then they'll send some of these veterans back over to SmackDown. That show is, has become not really even the B brand anymore. It's all about just building up the new talent, which is what they need. I like this influx that they're doing. Raw is the big show that they want to promote, that you know is their ratings giant, and SmackDown has basically become the show where just you have a couple veterans and it's all an influx of new talent to build up. I think that's a smart move on their part. Well, I mean, you're going to have Swagger as the champion, but for how long before Big Show takes it? Well, I'm pretty sure that Swagger is going to get put over by the Big Show. I think that Swagger is going to have a long-term run. It wouldn't surprise me to see Swagger have a JBL run where he's champion for really? nine months. Yeah, I think that it's it would be a good way to build him up and to put him over the big think, show. I don't, I don't argue with that. I don't argue with that. But don't you think that if Swagger shows up out there and, 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 and beats the big show right off the bat, the big show lo- loses all credibility of being that big, giant, dominant, independent singles wrestler? Well, I, I, don't, I don't think he's going to like lose and it's, it's going to make him look weak. I'm thinking that... If Big Show does win some of these matches, it's going to be by uh, by Swagger walking out, and they're going to have to find some way of making the Big Show look strong. But I think at some point you're going to see Swagger hit that gut wrench on the on show. I just that would be such a big moment to really help Swagger out. Did we out. have? Did we have Swagger? Um, I'd like to see Swagger start coming to the ring in a three piece suit with the belt. You know, playing the role of I'm the champ of this brand. Um, I'd like to see him get in there with Big Show. And just every time you think the Big Show's got the upper hand, Swagger gets out of the ring and walks away. Hey, I don't mind losing by count out because I retain, you know, outside interference. Swagger's the champ. So now he's got the money to hire somebody to help him, you know, somebody takes Big Show's knees out with a a steel pipe in the backstage area before a match, just all these little things to where you get to the point you're so sick of the backhanded bullshit finishes between the two that say a SummerSlam, you know, or, or, you know, a, a, a Royal Rumble, Big Show finally gets to go over and get to, that way, you know, Big Show never cleanly loses and Swagger never cleanly wins. 
But, you know, the only problem with that is I don't think there's an appeal to Big Show being the champion. I would love to see him get a run, but really, what is the payoff? Nobody would beat the Big Show because he's this massive giant. I think you'd giant. be surprised. I think you'd be surprised. Because I look back I look back at Big Show and I think to myself, what a waste of talent, number one. The way that they've booked him since his return with uh, Floyd Mayweather. Um, he was the perfect guy for that, yes. But then after that, it was kind of like, he went back to being this lovable, dopey dude. And then he got into these tag teams, and he started carrying tag team titles and was somebody again. But his run with Cena before all that, I think, man, I just, I think you'd honestly be surprised if they would, for once in their life, book him the way he should be booked. I think the big show would be a hell of a SmackDown draw as the, as, as the champion. I just I I think that if done right, and I mean that's a big if, but if done right, I think he'd be a hell of a champion over there. Well, you know, alluding back to what you said earlier about uh, about Swagger, he actually has been coming out in a suit lately, and he stopped doing the monkey dance, and he's really taking this uh, this world title run a lot more seriously. So I'm liking what I'm seeing. I see a lot of potential right, for a long term right. run. I think that Swagger's persona. Needs to and he even needs to admit to it. Maybe in a promo backstage, somebody could ask him, "But your your personality since winning the championship has really changed. Can you explain why?" And have him just as candid and as open as he can be and honest as he can be. Say, if you're going to be the best, you got to look the best. If you look the best, then you feel the best. You know, and just say, as far as my persona and my attitude, I got to be honest with you. I don't have a whole lot of years invested in this business, and I've come a long, long way in a real, real short amount of time, so I need to focus every bit of my energy on retaining this title, and if that means, you know, looking over my shoulder, looking ahead on the calendar, whatever I've got to do, I've got to stay 100% focused on retaining this championship. That's a good point. So, Josh, moving on with the rest of the recap... Sorry, yeah, there's actually really only uh, one more thing to uh, talk about, and that was the main event segment, uh, the Cutting Edge. Uh, Edge came out, basically was about to announce Randy Orton as his guest when Rain- Wayne Brady showed up and uh, basically just cut a promo saying how he was a fan of the WWE and wrestling in general, and he asked Edge's permission for uh, just a few moments to try and stand in his uh, his shadow a little bit, so... Brady cuts a promo basically saying that to all the other guest hosts, to people like Cheech and or Chong and uh, Bob Barker, saying that he's now Bob Darker and that this is his his time in the uh, the WWE. And uh, pretty much before he could continue, Randy Orton ends up cutting him off and coming out. And in the highlight of the night, in my opinion, Wayne Brady goes over to shake Randy Orton's hands and Randy Orton gives him the RKO. And Wayne Brady sells it like a champ. Then uh, pretty much after that, Edge basically goes back to his crazy, insane heel persona by uh, stating that he basically got screwed over on SmackDown, how he had all these well-laid plans to become the new world champion by beating Jack Swagger. Then due to a battle royal, he gets drafted to Monday Night Raw, basically taking all that hard work and throwing it out the window. And he proposes to RKO, I mean, uh, 
Randy Orton, excuse me, that he wants to reform rated RKO with him. But Randy Orton basically is just standing there looking at Edge as he's babbling on and uh, not really saying anything. And you could tell Edge is getting irritated by it, saying that he did initially offer it, but now the offer is off the table. He wants Randy Orton to say something. And uh, pretty much Randy Orton goes for the RKO. Uh, Edge blocks it and hits a running boot to Randy Orton's head. Uh, Edge is poised for the spear. And then Randy Orton turns around, sees the spear coming, and hits another incredible RKO out of the spear position and pretty much ends the segment and Monday Night Raw. Hmm, so no real main event match, just a segment to set up what? I mean, you know you've got John Cena and Batista going back and forth now for the championship. Um, last week, wasn't it Edge who came to the ring and hit the spear on Randy Orton to set up the Batista win? Is that how that went? Right, and he basically uh, stated to Randy Orton in the promo tonight that it was not his initial intention to hit Randy Orton, um, but he did anyway. So basically it looks like with... uh, Edge building up all this frustration and whatnot. They're building towards an Orton-Edge match over the limit, over the uh, the fact that Edge is basically taking his frustrations of having his plans destroyed on SmackDown out on Randy Orton. Now this, to me, and you guys chime in and correct me when I'm wrong, <laughs> but this, to me, is a touchy situation because you know if you're WWE creative, in the back of your mind, you know Batista's about to leave, yeah, he's still on Raw. Yeah, he's going to fight Cena. Nobody in the world thinks Batista has a chance of of taking the title off Cena. It ain't going to happen. Um, so then that leaves you with what happens next for Cena, what happens next for Batista, and then you've got Randy Orton and Edge feuding now with Jericho back on Raw. You've got all these main event guys they're going to want some of Cena because he's the champ. This is where it gets interesting because you got to start planning and setting. If you're Hansel and Gretel, you got to start leaving your breadcrumbs because you got to get from where you are now to where you're going. And that's where the WWE has had a lot of problem, in my opinion, lately. How are they going to get to where they're going from where they are now? Batista's going to ride off in the sunset eventually. Cena's going to retain over Batista. The logical things, the logical thing says that with his buildup and his popularity right now, that Orton would go over Edge. So that would set up what Orton and Cena. But then, what do you do with Jericho? And what do you do with Edge? And what do you do with some of these other guys after that's over with? You got to be real careful what you do here with Edge and Orton. Because if Orton kills Edge, but you just you just destroyed Edge altogether on Raw. Well, I got to be real honest. I think the direction they're going with this, again, Sheamus, I think, is going to get put in this over the limit match and make it a triple threat. And it wouldn't surprise me to see Sheamus go over and be the guy to take that title from John Cena again. Edge and uh, and Orton, I think Orton's going to have to go over there, possibly setting up another rematch 
between Orton and, and Sheamus, maybe for a SummerSlam down the road. I think that uh, since they put Jizz together, they're going to go after the Hart Dynasty and try to go after those titles, which could be yeah. a nice little babyface run, obviously, for the Hart Dynasty, a long-term feud with, uh, with Jizz. Could probably do them some good. Oh, hell yeah, hell yeah. But and, and you bring up a good point with the Sheamus factor. I hadn't even included Sheamus into my scenario. But if you really want to open this thing up full throttle and really, you know, give yourself an opportunity to see some things that you haven't seen a million times, then Sheamus is the obvious winner. Well, exactly, because it doesn't uh, go over scenarios. They left something out in the uh, Edge promo tonight that I could have sworn would have been a lock to be the catalyst for this whole storyline. And uh, it would have actually made a lot more sense for this instead of Edge just saying that he didn't intentionally to hit or didn't initially attend, uh, can't talk, initially intend to hit Randy Orton, there we go, with the spear last week. But if you think back to SmackDown, when uh, Jericho and Edge got scolded by Teddy Long, that they dropped the ball in getting the world title from Jack Swagger, that Randy Orton was the person from Raw that was selected to face Jack Swagger. Then, basically, Edge got drafted to Raw. If Edge basically stated that that was part of his plans and the reason why he picked Orton was because he was the one who got the shot and not him, that would have actually made a lot more sense than this whole not initially intending to hit the spear uh, thing. That would have been a fantastic catalyst, but there was zero mention of that at all in that promo. I would, I would agree with you right there 100%, but I would have used both. I would have said, I was, you know, I did mean to hit you. I did mean to take you out of that match last week, and this is why. You know, exactly. I would have used, I would have used both. You know, because that whole, the whole, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hit you. You just happened to be in my way. I don't buy that for a minute. You know, and Randy wouldn't either in the grand scheme of things. But all in all, what would you give Raw for a grade tonight, Mr. Peter? Overall, I would probably give Monday Night Raw pretty much a B-. minus. Uh, it was basically a setup show uh, from top to bottom. I mean, it was either advancing some storylines or setting up some brand-new storylines for Over the Limits, so it wasn't really your big payoff show, but it did do a lot to... Uh, set things up, keep things entertaining. So it wasn't exactly the worst of show. I mean, it could have probably picked some better filler matches, but overall it did the job. It set up things nicely, so I would say a B-minus for, uh, for Raw tonight. Let's go ahead and pose the question to the chat room now. Do you agree with Josh or disagree? If so, why? What are your other grades for Raw tonight? And as they come in, JJ, you can read a couple of those off and see how accurate they agree with Josh on his first night as the raw recapper on wrestling news live let's see i've got uh, i've got two agrees so far uh, for tna i've got an f i've got four agrees <laughs> so we're getting we're getting well, more good, positive a, a good b a good b show on a monday night where they're not really setting up for a go home is a good thing to me in my opinion oh it is I can live with that. I can live with that any day of the week. So if it's a solid B or a B minus, and they're not on a go home show, then to me that's a successful Monday night. Uh, Flair seventeen, you know, in the world of the WWE. Flair seventeen times says uh, C minus. 
And TNA B plus. Yeah, but he gave TNA a B plus. Well, that's just he and I are TNA homers. True, true that. Blackheart says D plus. I'm thinking he's talking about he's talking about uh, TNA Impact. Impact. Yeah. Just because of Lethal, he says. No, I thought that was a good segment with Lethal. Well, it sounds like we had an interesting Raw tonight, which is, like I said, always a positive when you're not on a go-home show and you're in the middle of the month and you can do a show that entertaining. That's always a positive. And, you know, good for them. I mean, this was the last official Monday night coffee break that we're going to see in a long time. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, we got one more, don't we? Nope, that's it. Really? Impact is back on Thursday as of next week. Yeah, so next Monday there will be no uh, no Impact. It'll just go right to Thursdays. Huh. All right. Well, that sounds good then. Um, with that being said, Josh, congratulations. You made it through the first one. You did a great job, man. Yeah, thank you very much. And um, CJ sent me a message, and you'll probably kill me if I don't say this, but uh, starting this Friday on the Headlocks Lounge, I will be taking the fourth spot as co-host. So I'll be the uh, fourth wheel, if you will, on the Headlocks Lounge starting this Friday. Well, goddamn, how come nobody asked me? <laughs> Shit, I want to host. I want to be on 500 different fucking shows. No, I don't. No, I don't. Well, I just want to say this. The American yes. Dream has joined the program, and I want to say congratulations to oh, Josh Pedra, if you will, for being the fourth wheel on the uh, Headlock to Headlines uh, Lounge, if you will, on Friday nights here on the Sunday Night Showdown Radio Network. And uh, from the bottom of the dream's heart, Josh, Thank you so much for being a part of the network, and uh, good job tonight on the Raw Recap. But uh, we didn't talk enough about my boy, uh, Cody Rhodes, who's going to be the future World Heavyweight Champion of the world, if you will. Dream is out, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. Enjoy the show. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Dream. And for that praise, I shall send you a bottle of barbecue sauce. You can put that all over your ribs. Just make sure it's JR's barbecue sauce, because that's some damn good stuff, boy. I tell you what. If I was in Oklahoma right now, I'd be stocking up with some chipotle, some chipotle ketchup, if you will. There you go. Well, I love me some chipotle ketchup, because I am a half-pretend Mexican after all. Yay, 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 Yeah, you are. <laughs> and then infidels. <laughs> all right, Josh. Well, thanks for joining us tonight, man. We'll look forward to talking to you next week for uh, the Raw Recap. All right, thank you for having me, guys, and break a leg for the rest of the show, as I'm sure you will. Oh, yeah. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. JJ, what do you say? We tell you our last commercial break. We come back and open up the phones of these crazy bastards. Well, I, I, I took care of all the commercials, so if you want to just open up the phone lines, we'll do that now and take a let's few. Let's do it now, then. Let's... Do it now. Do it live. We'll do it live, motherfuckers. Do it live. So uh, if you want to call in, the phone lines are now open. You can call us at 501-588-7957. Give us your thoughts on Raw, Impact, whatever the hell you want to talk about. But, Trey, I want to pose one question before we take any phone calls. Pose it. Isn't it amazing to you, and maybe you didn't catch on to this, but this is the month of May. We have a pay-per-view on May 23rd, which is 11 years to the day that Owen Hart fell to his death at the Kemper Arena in St. Louis at a pay-per-view mm-hmm. called Over the Edge. Right. Eleven years later, we have a pay-per-view called Over the Limit. Over the Limit. What's up with that? Well, I think what they're trying to say is that, you know, they hope that they are over the limit of people falling to their death. Well, I would hope so. I, I just, I, I kind of found that a little ironic. 
that on the anniversary, the 11 year anniversary of Owen Hart's death, they have a now, paper. How view. ironic! Was it a Lannis Morissette a little too ironic? <laughs> Maybe we, we should play that. Maybe I should play that for Song of the Night for Sunday Night Showdown when I when I do that pay per view. There you go. Some Alanis Morissette. I mean, I am in Canada, by the way. You know, a little too ironic. She's like a national hero here, you know. Oh yeah! Hell yeah! Hell yeah! She is. I'm just glad that you know we got Josh Pedra coming on now and doing the raw recap, and we got other ideas that we're going to implement. I mean, I don't know how much how much of a cat you want to let out of the bag. But we do have, like I said, the doghouse returning to Thursday Night Live soon. So, uh, lots of things to look forward to. But, I mean, there's other things that we're going to add to this very show, Wrestling News Live. Uh, some other people that are going to have some segments on this show. Like I said, I don't know if you want to let that out of the bag yet or not, but I'm excited. Well, I think we should wait till we get all the confirmation on everything before we kind of spill the beans. But, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I'm excited for what we've got going on. Our workload on Monday nights just lightened the fact that we don't have to cover Impact now. I was going to get an right. Impact um, recapper. And, in fact, I even posed it to Josh. I gave him a choice. Do you want to do Impact or do you want to do Raw? And, uh, of course, he picked Raw. <laughs> right. And, luckily for him, we don't have to worry about Impact. <laughs> no shit, right? Yeah, exactly. I hate to... I'd hate to do to him what was done to me. Oh, thanks for showing up for one show, but now that Impact's moved, you're fired. Yeah, I just have to promote him to Raw then, see? So it still would have worked out no matter what. True, true. But, I mean, you know, and like I told JJ yesterday, after this off-the-air conversation to an extent with all of you, we've touched on it earlier in the show. Things are tough for me right now as far as being much of a help to the show and to the network. That is going to change sooner than later. And the cool thing is is that we are where we are now with Wrestling News Live, as popular as it's ever been. And I have certain goals this year for this show. Um, I don't want to be hosting the radio awards this year. I want to be receiving them for Wrestling News Live. That's for sure. But that's all on you, the listeners, because you listeners are the ones that have to do all the voting. And judging from our award-winning past, I'm not real concerned with that because I know you'll vote like you always do. But what I'm trying to get at is we're in a place right now with this show where as good as it is right now, it's only going to get better. And J.J. and I have a ton, ton of ideas to add to this show that in the future will make it A, more entertaining, B, a whole lot more funnier than it is right now, and C, a much more solid two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour program, and we're just getting started. We haven't even touched the surface of the ideas that we have to bring to you right here on Wrestling News Live. No, absolutely. Uh, I'm still waiting for phone calls, guys. I don't know if it's just too late. You guys are just not wanting to call in, but... The number, of course, 501-588-7957, or you can add Sunday Night Showdown to your Skype. But uh, definitely give us a call, or we'll probably wrap this thing up pretty quick. So, last call for phone calls. Last call for phone calls. I feel like I should get like a I gotta Scott say, I'm looking forward. I'm actually looking forward now to going in and watching Raw tonight. Yeah, it was a good show. Like I said, B-minus, I think it was a good grade, and uh, I would concur with that. 
I think the coolest thing, though, about on the air, how much it sucked doing what we do in the time slot we do a program, you know, after it's over with. I mean, it's 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 refreshing now to know that TNA and 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 Raw have split. Your your phone is cutting out, Trey. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now, but you were like blacking out there. It was weird. Oh, anyway, well, let me just recap what I said. It's refreshing now to know that with TNA moving to Thursday nights, that, I mean, it was a real bitch to have to watch both of those shows, take them both in in a short amount of time, and to be able to come on the air right after they're over and give honest reports of both shows. It's refreshing now that we can only we only have to concentrate on one at a time. Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm looking forward to this. And like I said, it definitely lightens our, our load. I don't have to sit and watch one on computer and then, you know, one on TV. So I'm, right. I'm definitely looking forward to that. I can get more stuff done, uh, obviously, before everything just kind of ends or begins. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to the future of what we're going to do on this show and especially with all these new segments that we've got coming up. So I am in agreement 100%. Well, you know what? I think we're going to wrap this. I, I thought I had somebody calling in a second ago, but my Skype seems like it's kind of fucking up on me now. So I think we're just going to wrap this up. And uh, we've gone, what, a good two and a half hours tonight. So we've, well, actually, hold on. I've got one coming in right now. It's either Crelly or C.J. Bowman. <laughs> well, I think it's actually Crelly. Welcome to the program, Crelly. What the fuck's up? Hello? Hello. Hello. Yeah, sorry, my... My skate was on strike then. Okay. So what's on your mind, Crowley? First off, where's my damn plugs? I need more plugs, damn it. No, um... <laughs> I knew that was coming. Uh, I, I, did get to, I did get to watch both for an impact. I was um, doing a, a, a small recap for uh, Headlocks. And first off, who the hell was on that plane? Because that was the idea. They, they were going to meet some guy at the airport... They were 50 minutes away from the airport, then somehow got back to the impact zone in 10 minutes when they were like half an hour away from the from the, the uh, arena. So once again, so they, they they teased that somebody was at the airport waiting. They were going to pick you up. Is that what's going? Is that what's going on? Yeah, yeah. And then somehow they got back to Orlando in less time than it took them to get halfway to the airport. Well, have you ever been to Orlando? You know that from the impact zone to the airport is about forty-five minutes to an hour. <laughs> and they and they said that they were ten minutes away from the airport. Unless and it was then, a private airstrip, they're full of shit. And then somehow Hawkeye got back to the the uh, the, the impact zone within within seven minutes. So so they 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 left this guy, and then they came back, and they never identified who he was. Nope, they didn't bring up again. So. Once again, we have some some unknown personality running around TNA, and mark my words, he will win the W uh, the TNA World Title because we all know that the Masked Man wins all. Yeah, but, yeah. Huh. Unfortunately, Harmony's not here to really get the humor in that. <laughs> that's, that's like a Harmony joke right there. It's all about the Masked uh, Man. Like I, I'm not sure if you guys caught this, but on a like on in, on Impact. Even even the be- the beautiful people were questioning why all three knockout belts were being defended. 
in a tag team contest? Because they're out of knockouts. <laughs> they don't have a yep. whole lot of knockouts to deal with anymore. Oh. It's irrelevant anyway. Oh, there was news that came out today, and Crelly could probably tell you more about this than I can, but Ashley Massaro is trying to get fans to push for her to get hired by TNA Wrestling. I think that's a great fit. I think she could come in and team with Angelina Love and take on the beautiful people. Well, I, I think they try and I, I think they try and push it the same way the same way that they, that they pushed Kutihemi because right now Kutihemi is the highest paid female uh, in TNA bar bar Dixie Carter because she was in Playboy. So they they might try try and explore that side of her, saying, "Oh yeah, she's famous. She's been in Playboy." So that's how they could push her, but. We all know that she's not great in the ring, so once again, she, she'll be there for her looks. Hello. Fine, I mean, she, she, was was a, she was like a female female Mr. Anderson. She was hurt all the damn time. At half time, she was screwing at Hardy. Well, yeah, and when you're when you're hurt all the time, and the other half of the time you're taking in the Matt Hardy penis, you're doomed. The penis but of like, destruction. I think, yeah. uh, I'm hoping that, I'm quite. Uh, I'm hoping that they like, pick up a few of the guys that got released from WWE, like Mickey James must go there because I think oh, yeah. she could. She could fix that division easily. She like. I think if you if you add Mickey James and you add um, Ashley Massaro from the Diva Search, if you add the two of them to the Knockout Division, then you basically. But you basically with two women, you basically re- rejuvenized the, the the knockout division. And hell, because I think it's I, getting it's getting to where it was the most entertaining segment on the show by the fact that TNA at that time sucked and the knockouts were relevant. Now it's to the point where there's only a handful of decent knockouts left, and these two women could come in and really rejuvenate. And you cut out again on us. Well, I got, I kind of said earlier, okay. The whole thing when it, the whole thing about TNA is that when it when it, when it was, when it was first created, when it the the whole idea of it was to push the knockouts, the tag team, and the cruiserweights, which when it which which was a total one eighty of WWE. That's what made them big and famous. Now, in the last few years, they've tried they tried to become a WWE clone. I'm hoping, and this is what would happen. But when they write to Thursdays. Go back to go back to their original business plan. Go go back to pushing the knockouts. Go back to pushing the, pushing the exhibition. Go back to pushing the tag teams because those are the things that the fans want to see. If they if if they want to go see big jacked up guys, they will tune in Monday night to watch more. Well, I'll put it to you this way: um, as far as the knockouts are concerned, you've got tag team titles in the knockout division. You've got a knockout champion. So you got three belts and only about six women to compete for them. That's you know that's tough to book. It really is. So they need to add some more women, and I mean quality women, not just two tits a hole in a heartbeat. To the picture, they need to actually add some quality women like a Mickey James. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I'm more interested, JJ. Who do you think this person is? They went to pick up at the air. Uh, well, you cut out on me again, so I, I, I'm going to answer that question. I'm pretty sure that, like I said, WrestleZone was reporting that Lex Luger was supposed to be there. Now, I yeah, don't know yeah. I don't know if it was the plan to have Luger come out and confront Sting, which I think probably would have been uh, a better way to end the program. Maybe he was going to be in league with Sting, 
I'm not really sure. I don't know what Lex Luger could bring to the table, but I'm pretty sure it was Lex Luger, to be honest with you. No, that's From what I understand, he was actually in Orlando, but he, he was not spotted backstage. So he wouldn't actually oh. even in the building. Where are but we on the aren't... Paul Heyman talks? Um, well, from what I, I, I was reading the, the other day, um, he's kind of, he kind of warmed up to the idea of there being an ECW faction in the company under the name E2, since they got into ECW. And it would be him, the Dudleys, Dreamer, Rhino, um, RVD. RVD. Yeah, RVD and Steve Richards. And Raven. So they would just, carry on. And Raven. Yeah, and they would basically just ransack, kind of, kind of be a wolf pack and try and, like, take over the whole, um, t- teenage, like, uh, by using their own extreme rules. I like it. And with and with um and with with Vince Russo apparently burnt out and taking time off booking, it's quite possible that we could see Heyman as a head booker of TNA. And you know the 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 best thing they could do is be realistic and be open, because I think that if you if if you put TNA in your right hand and you put the WWE in your left hand and you said which company cares more and is geared more towards the internet wrestling community, I would lean heavily on TNA with all they do with their, you know, YouTube stuff and their videos and their post shows and they're 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 more internet oriented. So if that's the case, then be honest. Be open. Use reality more in your storylines. And what I mean by that is have you know have Bischoff sitting backstage with his, with his face in his hands, like he's all distraught, he goes upset. You know, kick this off on on the Thursday broadcast, their first Thursday back on Thursdays. Have Hogan come backstage and be like, "Dude, what's up?" Well, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but you know, since we've been here, the ratings have been what they are, and have him quote some of the ratings and say, "I know you, and I know you know me." And that's not what we signed up for. You know, then have Hogan kept the promo. Rome wasn't built today. And, you know, we're just now getting these guys behind us, and we're just now earning their trust, and blah, 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 blah. Now, TNA needs to have one solid heartbeat and be back in it as a business for the fans, blah, 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 blah. And then have Bischoff just all distraught. And Hogan, like, what's the matter? He's like, well, you know, I probably shouldn't have done this, but I I I made a deal with the devil. But who? Vince? No. Worse. Who? Paul Heyman. That would and be say, you know, have it, have it have it to where he says, "Why would you do something like that?" Well, we all know that Russo's been the main guy backstage. He's taken time off. I don't have time to book. You don't have time to run the book. Dixie doesn't have time nor the knowledge to run the book. We needed a wrestling mind to help us out, and the first person I thought of that wasn't currently employed by somebody else was Paul Heyman. You know, be open, be honest. And that would actually hit their target audience, because um, I'm, I'm not sure if you know this, but they, uh, they, uh, they actually did send out a survey uh, a, few, a few weeks back, and basically they, t- they sent out to, to their key audience, and that whole thing earlier on impact about them them t- them changing t- time slot because of uh, feedback from the uh, from the fans that, that's actually partly true because in because in the survey they did ask if they would prefer 
impact to go back to Friday night. And they're and like most of the audience are actually guys that want to see the old ECW. So if you bring in well, the, I mean, the, you could do it so well. You could do it so well if you know. If you remember that January 4th show where somebody was beating people up and leaving them backstage, they never technically told us who that was. You know, start doing that now. Start leaving people like AJ all beat up and wrapped up in barbed wire. And spray paint E2 on his back. Or on the floor next to him. You know, start leaving people just destroyed kendo sticks and break like six kendo sticks and lay them across their back. You know, mm. put somebody through a table and put spray paint E2 on the table. Well, what is this E2, and who are these people, and why are they doing this to our TNA superstars, and where did they come from? And then, boom, well, the enter question, Paul Heyman. Well, the, question, the question is, would you have Paul Heyman debut on a pay-per-view when, when, where you get like, no. less people than your TV tapings? Or would you do it on no, TV tapings? No, I, I would have Paul Heyman and the uh, – I would Paul Heyman come out and announce that he's in TNA and he's in TNA to stay and that he's not alone. Have Paul Heyman cut a promo. You know, I've been around this business for these many years and you know my history with ECW, with the WWE, with Vince McMahon, with all of this. You know, and if I could say I learned one thing, it was to never come alone. Don't, you know, don't leave your back open for a shot from somebody else. You always got to have backup. And see that. So, and just have him announce, "Hey, these are my two guys right here. These are the new leaders of what I'd like to call E2, and we're taking over." And that works in a lot of ways too, because you've got Eric Bischoff in the mix. And if you remember back in '96, '95, when Todd Gordon was the mole for WCW and was helping talent establish a work base in WCW, and they were stealing and raiding the talent from ECW to be brought into the company. So there was a lot of feuding going on, really. That's one of the main reasons that Vince partnered up with Heyman back in 96 was so that they could kind of work together to, t- to kind of take you know WCW out. So there's, there's that whole issue there between Heyman and Bischoff that I think would work really good. And, they, and, they, and they, if they were smart, if they were smart, they'd have Heyman come out because he's the, he's the best there is at the realistic shoot promo you know, have him come out and say, look, do you think I forgot about you, Eric Bischoff? Do you think I forgot about what you did to ECW when you were stealing our superstars with your big television turn, Turner Broadcasting checkbook? He goes, now you've done what you should have never done. You rubbed the genie's lamp and the wrong genie popped out. And here I am. And now I'm not only going to take over your part of the company, but I'm going to take over Hogan's part of the company. Then I'm going to get rid of Jeff Jarrett. And the only thing to stand in my way is Dixie Carter. And eventually I'll, I'll, I'll take her over too. And hell, they, they, could, they could even play off the, the, uh, the uh, promo that, that they did back in 2005 when it, or when it, when it was when uh, Paul Heyman came, to, came onto Raw. It was him, him and the Dudleys. And when, back when Bishop was the GM of Raw, and Heyman cut the promo goes, you know what? I never, I, I never come alone. We never back down. And then basically every single e, e, ECW original came, came out of the cloud and took over and took over the Raw ring. Have that go. You know what? We don't back down. We we go to the extreme. And, and then have some cheesy rip off of the old um, 
of the old ECW music play have a crowd chant ECW as a um, ECW originals come from the crowd. Now then you got you got Mike today and Taz in the announcement booth, and you got Mike today going crazy. I can remember back in WCW when Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff hated each other, and I never thought the day would come where they would work together, blah, 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 blah. And now Paul Heyman has shown up and said he's going to take over TNA. What's going to stop him? Who can stop Paul Heyman? And blah, 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 blah. Taz, what are your thoughts? And Taz gets up and takes off his headset and walks to the ring and joins the ECW guys. And so now you've got, you got an ECW announcer and you got a TNA announcer working together on the same broadcast. And also, a bit of news that I received earlier, Jim Ross's contract with WWE is up as of yesterday. His, his, his talent contract is up with WWE. Yeah, you know, he, if they want to bring still, in Jim Ross, there's an open door right there. You know, Carter and, and, and Hulk and Bischoff are all back having a meeting in their office, and they're like, have you listened to what's happened? Have you seen what's happened to this show? The inmates are running the asylum, you know. You got Paul Heyman, who now has control of the book, and he's also got his ECW guys running rampant, taking out all of our TNA superstars. Now you got a TNA announcer and an ECW announcer arguing so much that they can't even call the product in the ring. We need to bring somebody in that knows both sides of the fence. Somebody who's worked for everybody. Jim Ross joins the announce booth as the mediator between the two because he's worked with Paul Heyman and he's worked for WCW. And that would and that would make ninety nine percent of the internet wrestling fans happy, since they want the old ECW back. Just give me the and ink pen, give me the checkbook, and give me a month. Hmm. Trying to book, trying to book TNA using the possibility of an of an ECW faction. That could be an interesting show. I'm telling you, man. This is this is this is. Worth its weight in gold right here. And if this right here fails, then at that point, you just say, fuck it. Mm-hmm. We've tried everything. Anyway. We can't impress you people. we tried everything. Fuck it. Anyway, I'm going to jump off. I'm pretty sure you guys are getting sound with calls. Plus, here it's bloody late, so I need to sleep for once. <laughs> no, I'm trying to load up my song of the night. This, I hate the fucking new YouTube. Like, it... It's pissing me off. It takes shit forever to fucking load. And then I had it loaded up, and then for some fucking reason it went to another video, so I don't know what the hell's going on here. I hope the chat room doesn't think I've lost my mind because I can't read it when I give out my predictions and my magic ink uh, pen. The chat room, I'm just asking, do you think Awesome Kong will be back soon? That's what someone asked in the chat room. In TNA, no. Yeah, I don't know. I know. I, you know what? I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say no. Well, I wouldn't I know, say no. Um, we ha- we had an interview on Friday with the guy that, that uh, that's got her on the indie scene, and apparently she's got a nine month no compete clause. She can't go to do we or appear on TV for nine months. So, well, who knows? I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. If within six months they bring her back and she makes a run in at a pay-per-view and is back on the roster the next week. I don't know. We'll have to see that. I would not be surprised. No, we'll have to see. Because because her beef wasn't with TNA. Her beef was with Bubba the Cum Sponge. 
Oh, dude, when when you get a chance, you must li- listen to um, listen to CJ's rant on Bubba from this past Friday on the lounge. It was epically epic. Like I'll have to give that a listen. It, it was on par to one of your best rants. Wow, every that's other word, every other word was the word fuck. <laughs> those are those are big boots to fill to say that. All right. Anyway, I, we were talking earlier about my goals for this show. I'm going to tell you guys right now what my number one goal is this year for Wrestling News Live. But I need everybody's help. I need all the listeners out there. I don't care if you do host a show on this network. By God, you're going to have to vote at least once. But the guy that deserves to win... Host of the year this year at the Wrestling Radio Awards is JJ Sexay. I mean, come on, the guy's already hosting what three or four shows a week on this goddamn network. He's the glue. He's the foundation. He's the one that brought it all together, and he deserves to be host of the year. And by God, I'm not saying vote for us for show of the year, but if you don't, don't let Mosh have three in a row because then I'll never hear the end of it. No shit. No I love shit. you, Mosh. Just kidding. <sighs> Not really. I hope you don't win. I hope we do. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know what? I'm ready to get the hell out of here. So, Crowley, you got any final final words? Um, not really. Be sure to check out from headlocktoheadlines.com, the official news source of the Sunday Channel Network. And, well, I'm awesome. That's my final word. That's my final thoughts of today. All right, sensation, jizz out of here. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and speaking of jizzing out of here. Uh, now, see there, that's how humble the man is. I cut a mini promo telling you to vote for JJ for show host of the year, and he doesn't even bat an eye. That's, that should tell you right there why he's the guy who's up for. Well, Trey, I appreciate that, and uh, I definitely appreciate any votes that you guys will put down this year. So hopefully that will happen. Yeah, I've, I've got a couple of them on my trophy, on my mantle, so I'm thinking, you know what? It's time for J.J. Sexay to win his first ever show host of the year award. I think the chat room and the podcasters will agree with me. It's just an honor to be nominated. The dog has spoken. <laughs> uh, you know what? I think we're going to end this thing with, uh, with jizz in my pants, since uh, we, we, we coined a new phrase tonight, jizz, the tag team of Jericho and The Miz on Monday Night Raw. So with that being said, on behalf of the Trey Dog, on behalf of myself, Mr. Money on the Mic, J.J. Sexay, and of course all you that tune in each and every week to Wrestling News Live, and of course Crelly, who just left us hanging. And our new Monday Night Recapper, Josh Pedra. I wasn't going to forget him. He was, he was next. And definitely Josh Pedra. Again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, we are Wrestling News Live, for the fans, by the fans. And JSK, take us out of here. Cool. With that being said, thank you very much for listening to the show. Thanks for everybody uh, that participates in the forum boards, and thanks for everybody participating in the chat room. Until next week, peace, 420, kiss my ass. Good night, white people. I'm out. Woo-woo! Black eyes from across the room. Down my drink while the rhythms boom. Take your hand and skip the names. No need here.
here for the silly games Make our way through the smoke and crowd The club is the sky and I'm on your cloud Moving close as the lasers fly Our bodies touch and the angels cry Leave this place, go back to yours Our lips first touch outside your doors The whole night what we've got in store Whisper in my ear that you want some more And I jizz in my pants This really never happens, you can take my word I won't apologize, that's just absurd Mainly your fault for the way that you dance And now I jizz in my pants Don't tell your friends or I'll say you're a slut Plus it's your fault you were rubbing my butt I'm very sensitive, someone said that's a plus Now I'll go home and change I need a few things from the grocery Do things alone now mostly Left me heartbroken, not looking for love Surprise in my eyes when I looked above The checkout counter and I saw her face My heart stood still, so did time and space Never felt that I could feel real again But the look in her eyes said I need a friend She turned to me, that's when she said it Looked me dead in the face, asked cash your credit And I shit in my bed It's perfectly normal, nothing wrong with me But we're going to need a clean up on aisle three And now I'm posed in an awkward stance Because I shit in my bed To be fair, you were flirting a lot Plus the way you bag hands got me bothered and hot Please stop acting like you're not impressed One more thing, I'm gonna pay my check Last week, I saw a film As I recall, it was a horror film Walked outside into the rain Checked my phone and saw you rang And I jizzed in my past Speeding down the street when the red lights flash Need to get away, need to make a dash A song comes on that reminds me of you And I jizzed in my past Next day, my alarm goes off And I jizzed in my past Open my window and a breeze rolls in And I jizzed in my past Bruce Willis was dead at the end of Sixth Sense I jizzed in my past I just stayed a grape and I jizzed in my past I went to jizzed okay. in my past Seriously, you guys, can we, okay? I'm just riding my pants